0: Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Welcome, everyone. We have another special podcast today. I am joined by PLO legend, high stakes crusher, uh, owner of Run It Once, Mr. Phil Galfon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I think we can we can uh, sympathize and, and relate with to each other with both having a baby boy. We know how amazing yeah. that is, but how much work that is and sleepless uh, time. So tell tell us a little bit about um, how that is being a father, and then we'll dive. I want to go back over your career and kind of catch people up if they don't know who you are. But how is it being a father now? About cool. Yeah, now?
1: I think we both uh, we both take on too much as well. Uh, I think we have that in common. So uh, I mean, it's it's being a father is awesome. I, I love it. It is uh, exhausting to to add to the to add to my plate of all the other things, but um, I get a lot of help from Farah. She 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 does a lot more than I do, and um, very thankful for that. Um, and I still you know get to spend a lot of time with him. And um, yeah, I, I love it. That's
0: great. Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, obviously follow along, and I, I remember yeah, I played a little bit of live cash with Farah this summer, this past summer, and we we were also in that course. Uh, together for, I think it was like a day, day and a half. I'm not sure. I think per, with with Elliot, which was awesome. So I got to kind of chat with you a bit about it, but um, it is fun. It's, it's a lot of work and it is, we take on a lot, but it's all yeah. part of the process. So uh, why don't you tell those out there that most people in poker are familiar with you, but give a little background on how you got into poker and even where you grew up and and uh, kind of your path into poker.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Maryland and I started playing card games with friends like around the age of 12, 13, and we were, like, gambling for, I mean, like, way too high stakes for our, our 13-year-old bankrolls. But um, none, no, no games that we played I- I've seen since. They're just, like, weird card games. Nothing, no Hold'em, no Omaha or anything like that. Um, but I didn't take it seriously, of course. Um, I went to college in uh, Wisconsin, U- UW-Madison. And at that point, it was actually the end of my freshman year of college that a friend of mine from back home who I used to play with, uh, won a tournament on party poker for like 30 K. And, uh, obviously that was like the talk of our, our group of friends. Right. And, um, he actually reached out to me specifically and said, you know, Phil, I've, I've, uh, been reading okay. some books on poker and, and studying a little, I th- uh, and, and obviously, you know, like won this, but I, but I'm also just doing well in general. I think you'd be really good at this. I think you should try it. Um, and so I did. I, I picked up a couple of books. I can't remember the first book I got. It was bad. Um, but the second book I picked up was um, Hold'em Poker for Advanced Players by Sklansky. Um, and from there, I found the 2 Plus 2 forums and uh, did a lot of my learning there. So that's how I found poker. And I was about 19 at the time. I, um, I started playing sit and goes, um, like $10 sit and goes, $10, and $20 sit and goes with a $100 bankroll. I lost it. Um, put another, I don't know if it was 50 or 100 on and uh, didn't lose it. So that was my second deposit uh, worked out. Um, But obviously, like we all did, I assume, playing way under rolled at first. And then uh, eventually, like pretty quickly learned to be a winner in those games and uh, a small winner in like the $10 sitting goes. And so during the next, uh, during my sophomore year of college, or at least the beginning of it, I was like, okay, well, this is my, this is my, job on the side. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was actually, I had just gotten a job uh, doing SAT tutoring, um, but I just quit that um, and uh, just played poker. So I I was maybe making $10 an hour or $15 an hour or something, and it was like, this is a lot more fun. (laughs) So I'll do that. Um, And it was my, so if that was early sophomore year, I guess it accelerated pretty quickly because the, uh, like by my halfway through my junior year. I um is when I dropped out. So I guess I think by that time I had moved up over the course of that year to like $100 sit and goes um sometimes $200 sit and goes. Um and I I uh went to play a couple of live tournaments in Tunica Mississippi. There's a WPT and a WSOP circuit event. And I I figured I would just play these, I'd come back uh just like get whatever I missed from, from my professors um, when I came back and um, I'm in cash one. I, I didn't cash the other and uh, I came back and I didn't feel like uh, going around to my professors and, and getting the work that I'd missed. So I, I uh, just decided, okay, I'll take a semester off and see how it goes. Were and, uh, school? I'm sorry. Uh, University of Wisconsin. Oh, uh, we're Madison. The
0: same one that Helmuth went to or different Wisconsin. That was yeah.
1: Madison. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, um, I And it was that summer. That summer was a big turning point for me. Uh, First of all, in the spring, I switched from uh, uh, sit and goes to cash games. Uh, My friend Peter Jetton suggested it. He said he'd been doing pretty well in cash games, and he was a sit-and-go player at the time. A lot of my friends, or like all my poker friends, were from the 2 Plus 2 sit-and-go forums. Right. Um, So I started playing cash, and um, one kind of interesting thing is that I never played low-stakes cash games ever because I was playing like... $100 Hundred dollar through thousand dollar sit and goes, and then I just started playing five ten no limit. Um, and then that summer is my first was my first summer in Vegas. I had turned twenty one uh, in January and uh, went out that summer and stayed in the house with a bunch of guys. And uh, I think that was kind of my biggest acceleration in, in my like in my game was just being in a house with a handful of guys who all took poker seriously. It was the first time I'd ever seen somebody else play. Um, and you just—I don't know—I picked up a lot, and from there it was, uh, you know, no looking back. So
0: what, what summer was that? Was oh six or five seven? That would have been because I see your first cash ever was oh six, January two thousand six. That okay, was so opinions. That must have been it. Love. okay so summer of 06 I see yeah so you got a couple scores here and then uh what what shifted you into PLO then because this is all no limit Well, when how, yeah. you're known as the goat man and, and PLO the greatest in the, and having a genre yeah. you know that's pretty cool but when did you say you know what two is fun but four is better um it took a
1: while so that was 06 I um I took a couple shots that summer I was 510 player primarily I took a couple shots at 2550 even 50, 1500 they didn't stick um I lost, so built back up at five ten, and over the course of the next uh, like year, I did a lot of shot taking at twenty five fifty. Would lose, step back down. Eventually, it stuck because by the next summer, I was playing like 100, 200, 200, 400. So that next year, all, all still no limit. So that next year, um, I didn't necessarily have a an explicit strategy. Uh, bankroll management, but the way that I did it was basically I would, uh, I would grind up, you know, more of a role than I needed for the stakes I was playing, which was mostly 510, some 1020 at that point. Right. And I would take a shot at 2550 or fifty, hundred, And if it didn't go well, I would go back and grind like a, a small, like three buy ins, four buy ins.
0: And at this point in poker, were there, were you doing swaps? Were you people buying pieces or were you pretty much just always doing your own thing?
1: No, at that point, none at all. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, like learn about that until the following summer. Actually, it was the first time that, that I ever, uh, had any like sold action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the course of that year, I must have like, at some point taken, I don't remember exactly, but taking a shot at 2550 that stuck, and then taking a shot at 100, 200 that stuck probably like my second or third try. Um, I remember my first shot at 300, 600 cause it was very memorable. I, uh, I sat down against Phil ivy heads up uh, that 's a good place to start three hundred six hundred yeah. and uh it was the second hand we played uh he said oversetted me, and I just quit that was online then yeah on full yeah. tilt
0: back in the day on full tilt man that was uh jeez so okay, so pretty pretty intense um intro that 's uh okay but th- but th- what was what was that so you actually just were like all right, and then did you just overnight basically shift to PLO or were you still doing the limit a fair amount? What, what, what was the the switch in the percentage of hundred percent limit and then PLO?
1: How did your, how did you segue out mostly PLO? Yeah. So there was a while where I played both. So that was like, now the summer is 2007 in 2007. I still wasn't playing PLO. I remember. Um, and 2007 2008 is around when like the rail heaven games were going off It's, uh, like 501k no limit was running okay and so i was mostly playing that but then they also started playing uh, half half there was a 501k half half table okay and i guess like what happened then is there was 501k no limit but like the 300 600 200 400 ring games stopped running as much and so there was a gap, like 100, 200 to 500, 1K. And I wanted to place, like, in, in the middle of those um, because 500, 1K wasn't running all the time. And 200, 400 PLO was running around the clock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And so there was a time when I, uh, I remember specifically <laughs> there was a time when, uh, when uh, Tom Dwan, where were we? We must have been in Toronto for, a, like, a WPT Niagara, I think, and um, staying in a hotel. And I remember Tom saying, you know, if you want to learn PLO, you can come watch me play. Um, and so I took him up on that. And uh, I watched him play for like a few hours. And then, and then I remember the next day, he was like, hey, uh, there, are these, there are these really good PLO games running. You should hop in. And I was like, Tom, I've never played a hand of PLO. It was 200, 400, like three tables. And he's like, no, it's fine. Just you'll, you'll be fine. These games are really good. And so (laughs) then I played. Um, I I mean, I lost. I had no idea what I was doing still. I'd watched him play once. Um, But then from there, like, I I guess I just started learning slowly. And I actually did most of my learning from Cardrunner's videos. Uh, Brian Hastings, Brian Townsend Mm -hmm. um, did most of my learning there. And then, yeah, so, so I started playing PLO, was still playing those No Limit games. And for a couple of years, I was playing both.
0: When he said that to you, how genuine, I mean, you guys are friendly and good friend. Like how much of that do you think he's like genuinely thinks you're going to be fine? And how much of it is like, he's like, all right, you know, come in there and maybe yeah, you'll pick it up, but you're probably going to pay a little price to learn. But, you know, like when he says that to you, do you,
1: were the games that good that you think like you legitimately, it's hard to just win in any format. No, in hindsight, like, I mean, no, the games weren't good enough for me to have an edge. I think that Tom has always been uh, overconfident or like not overconfident necessarily but like quick to confidence he, right. he's always very confident in himself and also was com- he thought a lot of my game he was confident in me and right. so it carried over um and he was just like no you i mean Phil these these guys are terrible you're really good you'll figure it out right. um, and i think i think he believed it uh, for sure but i don't think he was right <laughs> That's that's funny,
0: and I, just to just to kind of look here on your career on the Hendon Mob, which is you're not much of a tournament player. And actually, no. I realize we got to get you out of the U S. Man, I don't see a flag other than no. the U S. on your um, on your Hendon Mob. But you have got some important big wins. And in 2008, you do win the $5,000 Parliament Omaha event, which is pretty cool. I mean, for a 5K, it got uh, let's see. 408. Oh, it was a rebuy, too. It was a rebuy. Yeah, it was the last year of rebuys. Yeah, Juiced Up. There's a couple legendary names in the mix Johnny Chan, David Benjamin at the final table. But you won it. And look at the, the pay jumps are huge, especially back then, the yeah. first, second. You I mean, read
1: the, the whole final table was um, big names, basically. Oh, yeah. Help me with the Rass, Negras. Rass, knew. Knew yeah.
0: And they, oh, was it nine handed? Yeah. Nine handed. PLO, man. Okay. So, yeah, yeah literally, in Njuanda. Yeah, it's a ridiculous. Yeah, it was a crazy final play. table. <laughs> So you end up they might even. they were televising those back then did they tell them no. they weren't televising cuz there was a stretch when they were televising a lot of the side events but yeah what a ridiculous uh what a ridiculous final table you take first was that significant at the time for you or were you already I mean you were playing huge stakes so I um,
1: I mean it was significant it wasn't uh it wasn't life changing but it was definitely significant and it was like a huge milestone of course in my career uh winning a bracelet I was it was something I always wanted to do. I think I, I always uh, was, I was like, well, I, I won't say too concerned, but, but like more concerned than I, than average about like the recognition of uh, like, I think there was a, for a long time, a lot of like very good online players felt like, uh, like disappointed that they weren't recognized as good poker players by, mm-hmm. by the world. Right. And so it was a time like at that time, it felt like some validation, even though I knew, of course, that you know, winning a tournament, there's so much variance. First final table I ever made, so to win your first final table, like there's just a lot of variance involved, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew that, but it was still uh, a really important achievement for me. It was, uh, and it was a really memorable tournament for me, too. Um, for like there was a, I, I explicitly remember there was, there was one big hand that I played with like probably 20 people left against uh, Daniel Negreanu, where I raised with, uh, it would have been king, king, queen, seven. He called. Flop was uh, king, jack, eight, I bet. He called. Turn was a brick. There was a flush try out there. I checked. Uh, he potted. I shoved. And uh, he called. And it was, he had a jack, ten, nine, eight for middle two pair open ender. Wow. And he asked me, he said, why did, uh, when you have, like, uh, when you have all the Kings, why do you check? Do you, do you like, why do you think I'm in a bet? And I said, I, I didn't think you were going to bet, but I didn't want to bet and get called and then have half the deck on the river. put me in a spot where I'm checking and, and praying and facing your shove or like your big bet or yeah, your shove on the river and, and risk my tournament life. And he went on and, uh, he made a, I remember he made a YouTube video, like a vlog and uh that was like because he didn't know me at that point really right and uh but he made a vlog and he was like and yeah i played this hand against phil Galphon, and he he i asked him this question he said something really smart that i never thought of which was exactly what i just said basically right. um so it was, it was memorable for me in a, in a few ways that's cool that's sort of i think that also um illustrates your
0: point that online players don't really have recognition right so at that point you got guys mm-hmm. like on you Helmuth. Ivy, these guys are sort of TV legends from playing high stakes cash, the World Poker Tour. Maybe they've got some bracelets or their titles for the WPT. And it's like guys like yourself who may be the best players in the world that no one really knows about or don't get recognition if you will before the twitch days too right and yeah yeah. it was different now if you want to showcase or play you can you can go on twitch you can make vlogs you can do other stuff but this was uh you know i think we missed out on the opportunity to create twitch that would have been a good time but um but yeah no that's that's very interesting and that's cool that you, you you taught sort of a legend got acknowledged and then also went on to win the tournament and you know, that's, that is a big deal, like getting a bracelet. You know, you, you, I played for a lot of years. I have seconds, thirds, don't have one. It's hard to do. Like you said, Barry, really final table, you're at your first one, and you just you just ship it, which is uh, definitely add some confidence and and, and and whatnot. But um, that's cool. So you win that tournament, and then at that point, you were summer t- 2008, you are now primarily PLO only,
1: or are you still dabbled? I'm so, I still kind of half-half at that point. Like, I, I was – that was pretty early like i was playing straight plo still uh but probably mostly no limit i i didn't consider myself like a plo player mainly at that point i was still a no limit player primarily um i'd kind of just learned plo but learned it pretty pretty well um <clears throat> and then i don't i don't know if i know the year but it was something like you know 2010 uh 2009 or 2010 when when i shifted mostly to plo and at some point um yeah, it must have been t- 2009. I must have shifted almost all to PLO to the point where I I started in, in 2010 to feel out of touch with No Limit. And so when some of those games started running again, I didn't feel uh, great about it. And and
0: then, okay, so then you're now you're in PLO and you are. Do you notice though? Do you feel like the game was was growing at a. Did you think that for a while that was like PLO would t- overtake Hold'em? That that's what would be spread at casinos? Like maybe the main event would even be, you know, cold? Like
1: did, it, did you feel No, like that I never felt or? that. Sorry, I never felt that, but it was at that point, it took over for online high stakes. And I thought that would continue, which it maybe kind of in some ways has. Um, so it it was what was running at at nosebleeds online, and uh, so that's what I focused on for a while. And actually, in like twenty ten, I started to learn triple draw, um, which which was at I mean, kind of <laughs> kind of had a similar experience to uh, to learning plo, and where I just like hopped in games that I probably shouldn't have um, at very high stakes. But then, uh, all right, we have a. Well, I don't know if you guys can still see me, but Jeff's power went out. <laughs> Maybe I should check. And if you guys can see me, I'll just keep talking about whatever. I mean, it says I'm live, so the show must go on. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'll just keep talking to you guys. Um, so I started in um, 2010. To, to play triple draw because the PLO games were slower and uh, triple draw was what was running at high stakes online. And so um, I tried to learn that I lost a lot initially. Um, and that was actually, uh, I started to win a little bit back and that was when black Friday happened in 2011. Um, uh, just trying to reconnect. So I don't know if we want to skip right to the, the, uh, the black Friday story, but yeah, triple draw. It was a totally different game. It was, it was, So, like, transitioning to PLO, obviously, it was ill-advised for me to hop right in um, at very high stakes. But it has a lot of similarities in No Limit. Um, On the flip side, though, hopping into Triple Draw, um, I think, was a terrible idea because it's a completely different game. First of all, it's Limit instead of No Limit or Pot Limit. Like, No Limit and Pot Limit are different, but they're pretty similar. A lot of the same concepts apply. In Limit, it's just, uh, I mean, Limit's a much different game. The same concepts apply in theory, but... A lot of the strengths uh, that you might have that that help you excel at um, at no limit, carry over to pot limit, but don't carry over to limit. Things like, you know, like uh, being careful about balance and deception uh, to the point of like kind of, you know, sacrificing immediate expected value for the chance to win a bigger pot later. Things like that don't matter as much in limit games. And um, I had a lot of bad habits because of that. I still do. Um, but yeah, Black Friday happened. And at that point, um, no, I guess for Black Friday talk, I'll wait for, uh, I'll wait for Jeff to get back. So I'll have to talk to you guys about something different. I wish I could see like a, is there a, a chat here? Oh, there is. Okay. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. So, uh, I do see some chat, chat with me. Uh, to help me out, but yeah, high stakes mixed games were going and, um, I did play some, some horse as well, but that, uh, like a couple of years later, I actually became very good at triple draw, never became good at, at horse, uh, or eight game for that. I mean, eight game is horse plus three games that I was good at. But, um, uh, the challenge was I always tried to learn multiple games at the same time. And uh, the the bigger challenge was just that my thinking, I, I was so much of a big bet player that the way that I thought about the game like had led me to a good style for um, had led me to a good style for big bet games, but not necessarily for the right reasons. And usually that's OK, but like you kind of build all these habits Nilius, am I saying your name right? Nilius uh, So Raz is his favorite. I don't really enjoy Raz and uh, horse is fun. Like I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy playing horse. I don't really like limit hold'em, but um, like mixed games are fun, uh, changing games. But uh, I just have never been very good at it, so don't like it for that reason. But yeah, eventually learned the the thing about learning triple draw is that it's one of the simplest games to. Um, to like run math on because let's say uh hey jeff
0: hey we're back are, there, are we interrupting sorry the triple draw go ahead
1: yeah yeah, I'll finish my thought. yeah. <laughs> um i uh so triple draw is one of the easier i think limit games to learn because uh yeah so like you can t- you can look at an example let's say you draw one i draw one on the final draw um, and you can kind of like pretty easily figure out if we both have good draws, how often we're going to have each category of hand. So if, if we're both drawing to an eight or a seven, um, you know, we have four outs to hit a Jack, four outs to hit a nine, four outs to hit an eight, uh, well not to hit an eight. So like, then you count, like if we had the eight draw, four outs to hit an eight, seven, depending on what card you're missing, etc. Um, and so you can actually like, you don't need to have super advanced tools to do some, some basic math on a triple draw. So I found that to be the easiest, uh, limit game for me to learn surprisingly, uh, cause actually limit hold them I still suck at. Hey Jeff.
0: Okay. We're back for complete power failure. No idea what happened, but all right. You got to, you carried it on like, you know, you Yeah, got it it's, it's, I'd give myself a five out of 10. All right, good. That's better than a complete restart. So yeah, right, we were we were in the middle of we were talking about I believe what you thought maybe it would shift to all not PLO or was it going to go heavily the industry to that? But that was where the high stakes was going. Were you doing work at that time because the games changed so much? Ten years there's PO solver, there's all these different no, things. No, there were talking. no what was happening back then. What were the best doing at that present at that time?
1: Was it literally trial air figuring it out, talking? You're running equities basically. Um, I'm trying to think if you were running equities and you were watching training videos. That was that was basically it. I want to I'm curious when Pro Poker Tools came out because that was a a pretty important one. I don't know how I'm going to I was like going to google that but that they're not going to tell me. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh Pro Poker Tools was a very important one and that that came out at some point in like the early 2010s I would think. But um cuz th- then with that you could look at maybe that came out in 2009 2010. You could look at, you know, let's say I have 80% of hands and the flop is King Jack seven with a flush draw. How often do I have a flush draw? How often do I have a set? So that was a big, uh, advancement. And and people were studying that. Um, but before then, yeah, you just ran equities. Like the way that I learned is I played cap PLO mostly, Mm -hmm. um, which is 40 BB cap. And I looked through, I just always looked through every hand that was all in, in holding manager and looked at the equities. And just try to figure out what, you know, what kind of equity you had against what. And the game was definitely a lot less advanced then. Um, but the thing is, the same skills in some ways always mattered. So obviously, you know, people were c ranges that were not at all solver approved and ev- everything else like that. But you still get to the river and you can hand read based on what you know people we're doing at that time and right. what you expect people to to have a hard time figuring out can do they, do they have enough bluffs in this spot? It's still, it's still poker,
0: right? Interesting. Yeah, no, it's super. It's just crazy to think about the high stakes scene versus then and now, and just what's going on with, with everything, but it's, yeah. uh, no, wild, it's much wild, different. Wild, wild times back then. And, um, what, what was the, uh, would you say, I mean, it's pretty cool too that you took basically 50 a $100 deposits, right? One of those stories, a lot of us did similar stuff where yeah. you end up, you know, it's different too when you're playing high stakes, you're risking a lot, but you actually, what you invested was so little. It's pretty, it's pretty nice, right? Because I yeah. you think, you think that's part of why you were so fearless and just not worried to move up stakes because it's not like when you say when you're losing 100000 or 200000 something like that in a huge game, you really, you're, you look back and you say, you know what, I'm only in for this much, but- is that sort of how you your mentality? more or less? It's it's but once you get it, it's real, right? You know, it's like once you get that money, you don't want to relinquish it. So, um, how uh, how was there any time you were like scared, or you remember thinking, "Man, this is like where you're like getting sweaty palms, like this is crazy what I'm doing. I'm about to take a shot," or were you always, you know, always just sort of? okay with the outcome and you always left yourself out right you were I you think, were never yeah. really at all in like you were now and move back down like you said against ivy heads up at 300 600 you weren't just like all right i'm going for it all here like you you had some set rules
1: i was taking a lot of you know shots that would you that would be considered irresponsible but i would always keep half my bank like i would never lose more than half my bankroll in a shot and then i would just go back down. And there were times in my career where I was like consistently playing 100, 200. And then all of a sudden I was playing 25, 50 again um, for a while and grinding back up. So um, I definitely like pushed it for too long in a lot of spots uh, by like normal bankroll management standards. But I, I always stopped at a point and, and jumped back down. And I think that that worked well for me. And especially at the time, um, I don't, I wouldn't advise it so much now because the skill gap between stakes is, is so much greater but back then there's there still was the skill gap but there were just good games or you know relatively good games all the way up so uh being a little more aggressive with bankroll management having to step back when you have to step back but like it, i gave myself a lot of shots at at being able to to play bigger and and play in good games so that that worked well as far as the like what you were saying about the money meaning something a big turning point for me was in 2008, I moved to New York and bought a condo. And that was the first real thing I bought. Like I, I was playing, I was playing five hundred one k before I bought anything at all. Like, and I was living, I was living, you know, I was still, I dropped out of college, but I was still in my college town with my college friends who right. never, you know, didn't have any money. So I never felt like, you know, if I, if I had lost it all, I'd be like all my friends, it's fine. Um, (laughs) Right. They didn't set the bar
0: so high with that standard on, on that. That's, that's uh, I read something that you bought two penthouses or you had a slide from one penthouse to the other. I I never heard this. What, what is this about?
1: Yeah, that's true. So I, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it's what you said in New New York. York,
0: It sounds ridiculous. I need a statement on this, please. What, what happened? What is it? What do you mean? You had
1: a slide. So I was looking for a, uh, two bedroom plus office. And um, and I was looking for I was looking for a place that was unnecessarily big, and I couldn't find a lot of good options. Um, And this one building I looked at that I really liked, um, they didn't have anything big enough. But um, my realtor said, "Well, what you could do is these two units here, you could get them and combine them into one." Um, And I liked that idea, and it was actually so I was moving there with a friend uh, from college, and he was going to stay in the other room um and i remember we all went there and uh, looked at the place we're just looking around at like okay so if we did this where would we put the stairs we take out the kitchen up top because there are two kitchens um and i pretty quickly was like oh we should just have a slide here and it was not it was not totally a joke but it was not totally not a joke and then as soon as i said it i really liked the idea um and so that's 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 what we had a staircase and a slide Okay. So there's optional slide. Yeah.
0: Well, you So you rent, that was something you rented or you bought? No, bought. You bought it. Yeah. Bought and, it. and that Two actually was been... in New York. And, and so the game,
1: man, so this is 2011 things, business is good. And you just, no, 2000, 2008. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah and That's it crazy. was tough time too, because, um, yeah, it was very expensive. And then the, the, like I put down my deposit and then before, uh, we got to close, the uh, like the market crash. Oh, that was during exactly during that time. Jeez. And I went from thinking that I was going to put like twenty percent down to having to put like sixty percent down because mm-hmm. I just couldn't get a loan. Right. they were just like, no, we're not. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, so it ended up actually uh, putting a, a much bigger dent in my bankroll than I than I thought that it would. And that's when like I started. The, I don't know. That that was when I started caring about the money more.
0: So it might've been a good thing. Yeah, that's something I realized as well. I bought a home this year and it is different, especially as a poker player. It's a bit tricky, right? When you don't have, you're just like, yeah, I play poker. If you don't have any kind of set specific income, it's even trickier. But that was before 08 exactly. You could put down 10%, 20% on a lot of these deals yeah. and they were just giving away whatever you want. But so more tricky. Uh, it's very interesting. And then you go and decide to get a how did you come about doing the run at once then to, to come up with this training site? So Card Runners was around. You used that. You liked the stuff they were doing. Did you just wake up one day and say that? Had it been a thought for a while? And how did you get that plan into action?
1: So I, I'm not going to get the dates right. But at some point when I was playing high stakes, I talked to uh, the Card Runners guys and they asked me to make a video. They said, you know, uh well, long, whatever. They asked me to make a video. So I made a carpenter's video, a single carpenter's video. It's really well received and I enjoyed doing it. Um, and they made me an offer and I didn't like it. Um, so I, I didn't do anything at that time. And then it was maybe a year or so later. Yeah. Two people separately uh, reached out to me at, at very similar times for some reason was and, and said, hey, I'm starting a training site. Um, I'd like to partner with you on it. And so I talked to each of them about it. Um and, uh, you know, eventually chose one of them over the other. Um, and then that training site was Blue Fire Poker.
0: Oh, yeah. And I was
1: the, the, the lead pro at Blue Fire Poker for a few years. And uh, I ended up, like, and that, that site did pretty well. Like, at that point, there were maybe six or seven training sites already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we quickly became number three.
0: Give me a couple of other ones just to take us down memory links. I can't think of many
1: back then. Card runners, juices, cracked Lego, um, back further. There was poker X factor. There was Mm. stocks poker. Okay. Um, there was some like, Oh, what was that one? What was the one with Mike Matisau? I loved his videos. Oh yeah. I don't remember. I don't. Yeah. His videos were so good. Um, I want to be able to find them. It was, uh, I can't think of the name. I have to Google that and find an old throwback. Maybe someone in the chat knows. They why. were so good because actually like, so he's playing mixed games and he was he like had taught me some stuff. They were yeah. good videos, but also he was recording live and playing like uh, high stakes. And he obviously like would be emotional about the results. And it was just, it was very funny.
0: Oh, he's like playing a live cash game or something and would be showing you his hands uh, like, online. He's playing online, online oh, yeah, but in real
1: time and record it or,
0: and then show and then do videos. Interesting, yeah, very interesting. Okay, yeah, so I, I could see how that would be entertaining. So, okay, so then you guys move up pretty quickly. Now you have a top three site, you and a
1: partner, and then what yeah. happened? Um, so we ended up parting ways like there's it ended up seeming like to the public a lot of drama, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't so much, it just, uh, we Definitely. saw things differently. Right. And, um, and uh, so I ended up essentially quitting uh, that. And uh, it was, I don't know, a year, year and a half later, started running once. And uh, I started running once with a friend of mine who uh, who I knew from UW-Madison. And actually, well, uh, his name's Dan. And actually, he was part of the first house in Vegas. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was a big coincidence. Uh, he was a sit-and-go player we lived together that first summer in Vegas with a few other guys. And he was coincidentally moving to Madison right after the summer because right. his girlfriend, now wife lived there. And, uh, we actually talked about starting a training site back then, but never did. Right. Like we actually even like hired a, like a company to build the website. And then we just realized it was too much work. We were playing too much poker. Mm-hmm. Um, but struck up discussions with him again, cause I still wanted to do it. Um, and I thought that, that we could do it better. And so we launched run it once and went with a much different approach. Like at that point, every training site was uh, they were putting out like between two and five videos a week and, and not consistently at all. You know, it was just when the pros sent them in, they were charging $30 a month, give or take five bucks. And, um, and that was about it. And we launched with a hundred dollar price tag for our elite membership and uh, like higher Mostly, like with that money, higher caliber pros, and uh, we release fourteen videos a week, uh, consistently, uh, two videos a day, which is uh, like, which is very hard. I understand why none of the other sites did that, um, but, but we've been able to do it. Did you get sort of some built up? You must have got
0: a head start. That seems yeah, right. yeah, you have, you have to have to. <laughs> have to do it right. You can't just yeah. rely on the poker uh, guys to do that. Um, yeah, so, okay, so that's, uh, so, so you guys just come out, you knock this site out, how much preparation once you said we're doing it, you got everything implemented, you go for it, you record videos, how much time until you launched from when you had everything
1: come to fruition? I don't remember exactly, but the web development was the slowest part, we uh, we definitely we also came out with uh, like a nicer, slicker website than, than everybody else, Right. Um, we just went for a much more professional and, and kind of uh, first class kind of feel. Uh, is what we wanted to do, because we felt like, and actually we thought about even pricing higher for, at which we like it was probably worth more, which is why it probably did well. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, we just thought that like stakes had gotten higher and higher, and the knowledge was worth so much more than it was back then when the high stakes were ten twenty, mm-hmm. um, like the high stakes are five hundred one k. So why are we? Why are we um, paying like? paying the same amount to learn from the coaches at the highest stakes when they're playing astronomically higher. Um, So yeah, so we went with uh, that approach and um, figured that like what we wanted, what we wanted the conversation to be was not, so there are always conversations. What's the best training site? Should I go here, here, here? We decided we wanted the conversation to be well run at once is obviously the best, but is it worth the price? And then people could decide that for themselves. And um, we, it worked well. We, Became number one very quickly, and part of that was because of the product we released, and um, but part of it was timing, a little bit of luck because the the top sites were kind of trending down at that point. Right, interesting, very interesting. Okay, so you guys,
0: you made this aggressive move. You you get the site up. The site's going very well. Where you how how did you? after it got off the ground, were you, what you were expecting or did it like, we were like, wow, this is crazy. It took off. You guys, you know, marketed it, did all that. Like it was, you know, it became quickly the, one of the
1: elite sites or did it take a little bit of time or did it just instantly pop? It instantly popped it. So like I was, I was pretty blown away at first, how quickly it became what I, I mean, I don't know every site's numbers, but I'm pretty sure it became top site immediately at the time. Um, So I was really, really happy with the first, you know, six months to a year. And then it, Actually, maybe the first couple of years, but it slowed at that point or kind of like we hit a ceiling mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. So, you know, happy with the first couple of years or in compared to expectations, happy with the beginning, less happy with later on, but still they, happy. Just.
0: Was, that, was that Black Friday? So it was around the same time as Black Friday or no? Or we after?
1: launched after Black Friday, which, which so Black Friday was uh, 2011. Yeah, April. We launched at the end of 2012. December 2012. Okay. So it was a while after. But you had probably, it was before you, when you came up with the idea
0: and actually were saying we're going to do it, was it before Black Friday happened then? Or did, was no. it after it happened? Then that may be, so that that was in a way maybe a blessing too because if that hadn't happened, maybe don't take the time to stop playing. Yeah. Or what not, right. It kind of gave you maybe a bit like, oh, what do we do now? Makes sense to sort of reflect, sit back. And, and yeah. I
1: think Black Friday was was big part of the reason that the other sites started declining because mm-hmm. like, A a lot of the sites were carried by a team of like five big names and like Deuces Cracked, for example, a lot of their big names stopped playing online Mm. um, because they just they wanted to stay in the U.S. Right. Um, So that that did uh, open up the window for us. Interesting. Okay, so one of those. What do you remember where you were on Black Friday? Were you
0: in New York? And when when it went down, and I wasn't actually I was randomly in New York because I was playing online at a friend's house. I remember exactly the DOJ stuff coming up and kind of like wow, like what now? Thinking how it was the worst thing in the world, and then saw a lot of you know ultimately positives or or take glad kind of it happened. But how do you? What did you think when that happened? Because you had just I mean, guess you had a house for a while now, but you did buy double penthouse in new york you're yeah. there you got a slide you got everything going on what what was your immediate reaction
1: yeah it was annoying i, I didn't uh i didn't, hadn't bought it planning to leave in a few years uh i was at the time that i found out i was playing 1500 3k triple draw on full tilt mm-hmm. and um we kept playing you could keep playing but <laughs> someone said something in chat i think and then i checked out the website that was shut down like you yeah. went to the full tilt website it was shut down and um I don't know. It was really weird. I was on a huge downswing. I was on like, I don't know, a little over a million dollar downswing, uh, which was as always is never fun. But then I had a little bit less money tied up (laughs) and I would have, Um, but yeah, I was just playing and it kind of didn't feel real at first. And even after it felt real, I just figured, Oh, I mean, they'll figure this out. Like they're not going to not let us play online poker.
0: uh, yeah. the, sorry, the web just cut out for me Actually. for a second. Yeah. Did you, so you played that session and then that was it? Like what you, how you had a, you, I mean, jungle man's notoriously famous for, he had you now five, 6 million on there. I mean, were you, you know, it seems almost unnecessary. I guess the games are big, but you don't really need yeah, to that. That was money. unnecessary. Yeah. That was a little bit crazy, but, um, did, was it something like that was, I mean, did, cause that took how many years to get paid back? Were you pretty stressed out too? Like this is kind of a big deal. It looked like maybe you weren't going to get it back.
1: And yeah, and, yeah. And, I think I had. You don't have to say the exact number, but you had a, yeah, whatever. Had I had under under a million, but not not too far under. And uh, it was yeah, it was it was stressful. There, was, and there I, was a
0: lot of talk about people were selling their. I remember they were selling their yeah. their, their uh, pieces on the dollar for. Hmm. Right, I have to check the link. Did we cut out again? Shit, I don't. Know. Can okay. you hear me? I can yeah. hear you now. Yeah, I don't know if that's mine. That I'm thinking it might be mine because um my neck cut out completely like blacked out, but uh, can you can hear me? Yeah. All right. I don't know why it's doing that, but yeah, did, was it, was that something you considered to sell like on the dollar? Did you take part in any of that? Cause I remember there was a lot of people trying, there was, there was like talks or I don't know if it was Twitter or where people were communicating, but there was talks like, oh, I'll sell 20 cents on the dollar. What I have in there and those kind of things. Did you take
1: part in any of that? No. So actually another thing that Tom, uh, Dwan talked me into was we, we guaranteed some of the money we, I, I forget. I actually don't remember how we structured it, but like uh, Thomas, I think had a full tilt deal at that time or yeah. no, not yet. I don't know if he did. I think so, but he, he thought it would be a good idea, like to help everybody like relax and to help the, the poker sites. Um, if we made like a statement. And so I think we either each, I think we combined guaranteed a million which was insignificant in like, you know, uh, a million or two, maybe each a million, Um, which I'm sure, you know, there are many, many millions in the balances. Like what, I don't know how much, but it was more of a statement of our confidence that it would work out. And uh, obviously I kind of like most things that Tom talks me into, kind of regretted it later. Yeah, I was um, just going to say, it's
0: becoming a theme shortly. On yeah, the podcast. yeah. Sorry, a couple uh, high variance, high stakes situation decisions. He's pretty go for it, just not not cost yeah. to the wind. How, how, uh, but what, so how would that have worked? you just like, you were to, if like the money all didn't get paid back, you were going to pledge a million and divide it up to people? Divide it up based on their account balance, which I don't know how we were going to get. He was going to try to get. Very ambitious, but well, I guess generous of you to to do that. Yeah, I don't know. If that would have been you know, I don't know how much that would have really done in the scheme of things. But yeah. that would have hurt hurt you. But um yeah, so interesting. So yeah, crazy times and then what? You go and buy a place in Vancouver and why Vancouver? Why not um, Toronto or Montreal, maybe that's closer to New York, or you were just ready to make a shift? Did you sell from New York at that point or you were
1: Um, so I ended up selling I didn't immediately. I ended up selling like a year later. Um I at that point, I was also renting an apartment in Vegas okay. that I mostly just used for the summers and then a few other weeks out of the year. And then, um, so I, I went to the World Series without knowing what I was going to do next because it was like, what was it, April? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Black Friday. So I went to the World Series without knowing what the what the plan was. Um, and then with a couple of friends discussed, like I knew that I was going to move somewhere. And I discussed it with some friends during World Series. Uh, we chose Vancouver mostly because I don't it, like it just looked like a great place to live. No other real reason. It actually was kind of less convenient for a couple of us, because like my family's on the East Coast, my friends were on the East Coast. But uh, I don't know, we did. Um, and, and like going from Vancouver to Vegas is easier than, than other places, but there wasn't a whole bunch of thought that went into it.
0: Right. Yeah. No. It's a good. I mean, close. It's yeah, a together, yeah. that's a nice place. And, and so you. So you're there, and you've kind of been going back and forth. And well, let me just. This is a question in the, the Twitter as well. When did you meet Farah? So Farah is now your wife. You guys have a, a child, a one, about a one year old. One year old. Yeah. Just um, one. And how did that? When did that take place in this whole process? Where does she come into the mix? Okay. I need to when back. When did trip. you meet think, come on, Phil? What? I think we met
1: in. T- this is, okay. this is Live, we can't edit this. Don't. Come I know. Uh, twenty thirteen, I think we met. Okay. Uh, so we got married in twenty fifteen, and yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have, I was. I was definitely already in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think twenty thirteen. I'm gonna go with.
0: We'll take twenty thirteen. Okay, and then, but you met where? Live? You met on? Was it was uh, a. Fair and I. Fair and I met on Twitter. A twitter uh, one. that's not I usually hear the t for tinder uh yeah. these days that's very common i know numerous people that 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 you know that's happening it's it's yeah, the internet's a real thing now uh so that's so twitter though I've, not, I've never heard of a twitter one i don't think yeah quickly twitter so how does that go down um show she, twitter game give some show some uh, <laughs> out there
1: um i don't know i got lucky uh she followed me She'll, she has, like, a long story about how this happened because she actually didn't want a Twitter account. it was forced to get it by a, sh- a show that she was on. Okay. And then she had somebody else managing it, but then they were saying stupid things as her, so she was like, fine, just give it to me. Um, and she she uh, liked playing poker. It was a hobby of hers, and she watched poker. And so she followed some poker players, and I guess she had seen me on high-stakes poker. Yeah. Um, and so, like, surprising, I mean, I was on there, like, a couple of times and I didn't think I made an impact that such that anybody would pick me if they're following like eight poker players. But right. apparently I did. Right. And, yeah. um, that's the one that matters. You got the one, you know, yeah. it's not
0: about the game. It's about, yeah, she was, she took a liking and then, and then how does
1: it progress? It started with, uh, she comments she replied to a tweet, uh, after it was, I had busted the main event and said something just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, bust the main. Had a really good experience this time. Blah blah blah. Met some really cool people. And she, what she tells me now is that like she had been all the other poker players she followed were like telling bad beat stories and complaining mm. and whining. And and I just said something positive. And so she said she felt compelled to reply, not expecting me to say anything or see anything. Right. And she was just something something positive about like how she liked it. Took
0: a little and, page uh, out of Hellmuth's book. You're, you're a U- Madison alum there. Yeah. Uh, positivity.
1: And so she positivity. liked it.
0: She digged it. And then she messaged. And then you what? Uh, D- you directly you, 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 went in there? And no, it was
1: slow. Know. It was slow developing. Uh, okay. a slow developing romance. So I was like, I think I... I don't know if I replied. I think I replied something back. Like, just thanks. Or okay. just something, something short. Cool. You tried to play it cool. Okay. Yeah, I played it cool. Nice. And... Uh, Then over the, it was like several months of, so at that time, like I didn't use Twitter a lot and I never really, I didn't really like a lot of tweets on Twitter. I just, and, and people have different like liking habits. Some people like a whole bunch of stuff and some people don't like that much. Right. And she liked a lot of stuff, but so I'd, I'd keep seeing your name popped up, pop up in my like, in my likes. Yeah. And I, I guess I thought that meant more than it did because I never liked anything. Right, And then eventually some, like she would comment on something and I would reply back. And then it was, I don't know, it was probably like four months or something where it was just a few messages back and forth. And then we, it was some tweet about, I mean, like this is getting too long of a story, but some tweet about like, uh, I think like Delta being terrible and she, she was replying to it. And we had both lived in New York and I, I forget, but we had some like back and forth for a while. And uh, I followed yeah,
0: her. How did you? How did get to? How did you? How did you take from the Twitter streets to the real streets? That's what we need to know. When did? When did? Yeah. The, and we can. You know, this is. I'm actually fascinated. But I know there's, <laughs> they there's might a lot be. of people yeah. in here that are like dying for a PLO knowledge and, and sure. And stuff. But this is exciting to me. I want to know how this yeah. went down. But how did you get her in the real life? Uh,
1: so it was. There was something where we were like, she replied to a tweet, and I didn't reply because I took off. I was on a flight. And I didn't reply for a while. And she was getting like, she thought she might have said something dumb. And so she DM'd me and said like, oh, I just meant whatever, whatever. And so that's how we started uh, DMing. And then we talked a lot there. Um, and then I don't know who went to text, but shared numbers, went to text. And when we met, it was kind of uh, like, it, and it was pretty clear at some point that it was like, you know, clearly flirting and I was like, well, I'm, I don't know how I'm ever going to meet this girl because it's just not going to happen. So um, my best my best friend lived in L.A., which is where Farrah lived. I was in Vancouver mostly and sometimes in Vegas. And so I just said to her, hey, I'm going to visit. Uh, going I have a visit with my best friend, like, In a few weeks, if you're around, I'd like to meet up. And she said, sure. And I was, I mean, I just planned the trip just to meet her. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. Nicely done, though. All right. So we got it. We got a little Twitter to text to
0: to real life deal. And then, So let me just, I'll just um, premise this by saying, I actually played some high stakes poker with your wife this summer at a nice game in Vegas. It was 300, 600, um, no limit. So, I mean, your your wife is a massive stake poker and she actually, the one hand that she got it in good, ran it twice, was a two-to-one favorite, lost both in a big pot. You know, it must have been six-figure pot. It's actually to a buddy of mine I brought to the game, you know, who got it in very light. But she handled it like an absolute, you know, true professional – big, 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 big pot stuff. But how did she get, so at the time she was playing as a hobby. I mean, she's playing high stakes cash. What's going on? You guys, she, she's like, uh, how much, I mean, you guys are literally like yeah. you're both playing high stakes cash now. How did that happen? How, I mean, that's yeah, it was pretty crazy.
1: crazy.
0: Yeah. It, it was, it's I, crazy
1: how it happened too, because like, I haven't taught her that much. Um, she was playing recreationally when we met. And I think through like, I think there's actually like a a switch that flips when you learn that people like can do it professionally. And like you talk to people and like, even like if I wasn't sitting her down and giving her lessons, um, she was just kind of absorbing a bit. And uh, so she started taking it a little more seriously. She's never used, like she's never studied in any capacity, but started playing two five uh, in uh, at Aria. uh, Once we, we got married and moved to Vegas in 2015 And uh, she was playing 2-5 at Aria for a while and doing pretty well. And, like, she'd occasionally come home, ask me about a hand. She was usually, at that point, though, like, she would come home and be like, so I had Queen Jack of Hearts, and I raised, and a couple people called, and the flop was this, and then, like, somebody bet, and the turn was, like, nothing, and somebody bet. Like she didn't remember who did what at any point. So I was like, yeah, I, like I, can't I can't, I yeah, can't help you. Yeah. Same
0: thing. Like you can't you gotta remember what position you're in or something. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> you gotta remember like,
1: who, who bet and who called. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, then, uh, she, I mean, I think she learned, she learned pretty well. She's very competitive and has a very good feel for the way that people are playing. And so she's mostly self-taught, even though I've, you know, guided her a little bit here and there, um, and she was then playing five ten, which actually, like five ten at Ario is is pretty tough, and there are like a lot of regulars, and uh, she's holding her own. Um, I don't think she was winning a lot, but she, holding her own. And then um, we were on a trip with uh, a, a bunch of people, but uh, JRB and uh, Robel, and they were like making fun of me for not being allowed to play in their game, and JRB as a joke said uh well, I'll I'll let fair play and I was like okay I'll think about that <laughs> and uh nothing ever came of it uh until a while later and uh I think uh, I think this basically the same conversation happened but he was serious when he said fair could play and I was thinking like the that game was easier than the 510 game that she's like winning small in mm-hmm. and like significantly easier I think yeah, yeah. Um, most of the time and so I was like, "All right, l- then uh, I guess, I guess let's do this." <laughs> and so uh, she she went from fi- uh, five ten to a three hundred six hundred. She skipped skipped everything in between. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you see some of those JRB hands, you know,
0: it's uh, yeah, <laughs> like, three, five, like three five in, in Asia and stuff. I mean, it makes some sense, but I mean, at that point though, you just don't know how someone's going to respond to that, right? Because it's like, yeah, okay, let's say the game on a level of. Skill wise, or BBs per hundred, or something, maybe you're even a slightly bigger favorite. But yeah, you're you know you're playing 500 K pots. Like you don't know. Like someone's not going to necessarily be able to handle that, or emotionally, or or really be able to just kind of segue into that normally. But was there any? Was that how was that process? Because that
1: is a bit pretty big. Yeah. Buying in for five hundred or fifty thousand is sort of. She was different. she was nervous at first, and she also felt like when she would lose, she felt really guilty. And, um, like when she would lose, like, she's always just naturally handled herself very well. Like, uh, the emotional swings. And like you said, like she takes it like a pro and that was just like, if she, if she loses, she's, she's calm. Um, that was just natural. The one thing I think she struggled with is like, I don't know, especially coming from online, I'm used to like going on a 30 by and downswing, Mm -hmm. um, and knowing it's just part of the game, but if she'll like go in there and lose two buy-ins and the next day lose two buy-ins and next day lose one buy-in. She's like, I don't want to play anymore. I'm, you know, and I have to say, okay, five buy-ins, not a lot. It doesn't mean anything at all. And so I think that's the one thing she struggled with is when the money was so high, uh, stakes were so high, uh, just like small downs, small downswings that are high in dollar value. Right. Um, just made her feel like she was hopeless or, or losing too much. And so that's the one thing we had to work on a little bit.
0: You can just tell her right, she go to your go back to her actress self and yeah. just act like you don't care. Just pretend it's okay. Maybe that's part of what it is at the table. I'm sure she's you know, we all it's all emotional. You don't like losing a pot anywhere, but I'm sure yeah. if you lose as a favorite twice running it, you're you're pretty like, you know. You yeah. You're Okay, but it's not. Doesn't feel good. Um, yeah. Very interesting. So, but yeah, you guys, I would say, as in uh, t- terms of couples and, and married couples that are playing poker, there's not many, or certainly not many that are doing the uh, the highest of stakes. So that's pretty cool. And, and in a way, now you have a son. How, how has that shifted? You know, a lot of dads out there, a lot of parents out there that play poker. What would you say has been? Were you guys apprehensive to do that? Did you know? You know, you never know, right? You just can't mm-hmm. really know how it's going to be. But how was that prep? going into become having a a child? Did you guys, you know, in terms of time, like you said, you take too much maybe, which I do want to cover. We haven't even got to run it once. I know. (laughs) And we've we've kind of sidetracked here. But how would you say that preparation is and any advice you'd give the parents uh, out there that are playing poker professionally, um, some tips, tricks, just overall learning you've
1: done so far? With Yeah. um, I mean, it's going to be so situation-specific because, you know, some. I mean, you have to do a lot of talking because some couples like uh you know might like the wife might expect to to handle everything and the the husband to to go keep playing poker and keep his weird hours and whatever else, whereas others the expectations might be different and so for for us um Farrah's done more than me and she's she's played a lot less poker as a result like mm-hmm. It kind of coincided with she was getting fewer invites to the game. The game wasn't running as often, but but before having uh, Spencer, she would still just she'd go play five ten just she loved playing, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of gone away for her. Um, and she what she expects of me is like I mean at the beginning we did a lot more like I basically took a month off and the month before we launched run once poker, which is not great timing, but uh, (laughs) we were, we were splitting things a lot, uh, a lot at that point. But then later on, like basically I start working early. I wrap up by uh, usually like four or a little later and spend the last, you know, couple hours uh, with the two of them and then the evening with her. So uh, the main thing that changed for me was schedule. Um, Like I've never had a consistent schedule before. And now I do. And it would be difficult to play in a game that was consistently running late at night. I'd have to shift my schedule, and I know that I, I wouldn't be contributing as much. I think she'd be unhappy. And so that's, right. that's, that would be a challenge if you, ha- if you play in a. But like, so like for me, yeah, schedule shift. But uh, I would say consult your partner and see what their expectations are and you know what they communicate.
0: Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have some communication. Okay. So, all right. We, we have got, we've done You've run it once. That is something that very successful. You said a hundred dollar a month subscription top, you know, two videos a day from some of the top pros in the world. And this has gone very well, quickly becomes the marquee, you know, Mm -hmm. without really being able to argue that, that is the top uh, training site for many years being that. And then you, decide to then go into poker run at once. I think we actually met in 2013. I, we kind of got talking and you got second in another world series event. Then that was the 25 K. I, I remember we played that. together. You got a uh, second to Steve song. Um, like we were deep in that one. Together. That's where I really got to kind of chat with you for the first time. But that was then you started this idea around, I guess after that and you and get what made you want to do a poker site? There's poker stars, this behemoth there's party poker now with Rob Young and that's, you know, doing a lot of things for the industry and and trying to make move strides forward. There's other major sites. How and why, what was the reasoning that you said, uh, the run at once is going so well, why take on run at once as the poker site? What was that
1: about? And what,
0: what sparked you for
1: that? Um, It was brought on by, I actually don't even remember the specific uh, change, but there was one in a series of uh, poker stars changes, like announcements of policy changes or rake changes or some, or rewards changes that, Um, Like after seeing a couple, this one really like it hit home for me that I really felt like they did not care about keeping poker a beatable game. Um, Not that they would try not to, but that they didn't care and and that they were shifting things in in the direction of like, um, you know, mostly spinning goes with with rake that's too high and then like beat the clock, which they fortunately took away, but beat the clock. Maybe it was that that was like the the last straw for me where it was like, they're just trying to make a casino game out of poker. And so professionals like myself are going to become extinct online professionals. And, you know, they were, uh, at that time, like essentially a monopoly. They maybe had somewhere in the eighties percent of the market, um, which is not, not the case right now. But, um, so I was very worried as a poker player about where the industry was heading and i was in discussions with somebody uh or actually with a couple of people who like felt like this was something that that we could accomplish uh who wanted to partner on it and so it, and like we had done a good job of building it's much different but like we have, we designed a a very user friendly website that looked good and built it we had we had some good developers and and very good design team and so, uh, and like, I felt, I felt it was very important to have somebody running a poker site who cared about the future of poker and also understood poker. Because um, something also that that seemed to be the case is that they didn't really, maybe didn't understand poker as much as the, uh, the old poker stars did. So we actually started building it long before we launched. And it, the plan was to launch it much sooner. Um, and the market shifted actually, specifically party poker. Um, At Rob Young, getting involved with party poker and doing a lot of things that, you know, uh, were similar things to what I wanted to do uh, was as a player for me and like a person great for our company is kind of bad thing because we were going to fill that void that was that was there. Um, uh, But yeah, it was actually, I mean, long story short, it took us a very long time to get uh, started. And uh, to get launched, because the software development went a lot slower than expected, uh, ended up being more costly. But um, but yeah, we, we ended up doing it. We launched in February of uh, 2019 in beta. We're technically still in beta. And um, right now, we're cash games only. We're looking to add uh, SNGs very soon. And uh, yeah, we... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like summarize, <laughs> but, uh, we launched with something much different than, than other sites. We have a lot of different policies and features, uh, which is something that, that we wanted to do and, and felt was important, uh, for a number of reasons. I've written about them at yeah. length, um, for anybody who's super interested on runawantseu slash news. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the early going was tough the, with the software and, uh, recently it's gotten a lot better and We've been making more and more improvements, and I'm, I'm excited about 2020 for sure. It's very cool. And
0: just you know, looking at the time when you decided to make this change, kind of for the industry, for yourself, you wanted to take this on. And I think we spoke briefly about it in the summer at uh, the course we attended, mm-hmm. which was really which was cool. But obviously, it's one of those things where you do take on a lot. You now throw in a son. You're married. It's a lot of time. You like to play as well. It's sort of like there's not enough hours in the day. I mean, this has been a big learning experience for you, but it's just something yeah. that, you know, obviously I don't know how to, to put it, just sort of do you feel like the undertaking of building a site and what comes with that, you know, I'm sure you've you've gotten a lot of valuable experience, but what would you, you know, what, what would you say would is the biggest challenge right now in terms of, you know, getting liquidity, those type of things? Is there stuff that that are just really frustrating? And and how do you like what are the hardest parts it's been to deal yeah. to, to where you are
1: right now? For a while, the hardest part was software development, Um, and it's still hard, but I would say uh, we've gotten our software to a a very good point where it's not the the hurdle standing in our way. I think now the biggest hurdle is liquidity because just starting a new site, uh, the quality of your product relies on having players. And so to get players, you need players, and obviously that's catch-22 because... You need the players to to get the players and get them to stick. Because if somebody shows up, they're like, "Oh, I like your ideas. I like the the feel of the software. Um, I'm going to deposit and and see if I like it." And then they show up at whatever like they're let's say they're in you know Vancouver and they show up at 9 p.m. and there nobody's at there nobody's playing right um, at the game they want to play. And then they're like, "Oh, okay. I'll just why would I switch? I'll just go back to." to party, I'll just go yeah, back to start. Hard.
0: They might want to play one two, someone's play two five, someone's play yep. PLO, someone's play sit and go. So of course it is it's tricky to grab and you have to do it, you know, slow and steady and start from um, you know you have to start from the bottom. So yeah, I mean that's uh it seems like the the software from I remember when I first tested it, it seems like it's come a long way as well. There's been a bunch yeah. of updates. It looks good, uh it seems good. And and is there a, you have an aggressive promotion I saw. You kinda of targeted stars a bit with some uh you know yeah. controversial uh just coming at them basically calling Digo, stars become legends. Tell us a little bit
1: about what that is and, and what yeah. we can do right now. Yeah, so we um, uh, launched this promotion in early January. It runs through the end of January, so you got two more weeks um and uh basically it's you uh ha- we're asking poker stars players to uh make the jump the switch to run a once poker and um we're giving them quite a lot so legends is uh our new reward system that we launched in December it's one of two reward systems um where we we give a lot of rake back um and so we're i believe doubling their legends rewards uh s- for three weeks and then 1.5 xing it for the next five weeks so it's eight weeks of increased rewards and then they get um a free run at once course from the ground up uh just a no limit cash game course a very good one and it, i mean depending on your skill like if you're a pro a full-time pro at like mid stakes or higher it might not be for you it's for like uh you know, but like it's it's still like gets to fairly advanced. But but if yeah. you're like somewhat of a beginner or like a casual player, you'll be able to to follow uh, as well. Um, but for most,
0: yeah. L- go ahead. Let me interrupt you on a question in terms of because this is what I see a bit, and just to talk about this in terms of the players on your site, though. My so when I think Run at Once from a standpoint of players and a base, how would you respond to someone saying, you know, what it's great. I love your what you're doing. I love idea i want to support phil Galfon, i want to come on here but do you feel how would you say to someone that is like because run once is the marquee training site or one of the marquee training sites maybe that some of that base or loyalty is going to come from there so it's like if people are gonna say oh maybe the the players are a lot tougher or they're tougher coming from run once how do you answer that or is that true even the basis of your, your primary player pool or you know that that just the that logically that's what I would think off my head. Like, oh, it's probably the fundamentally average starting point is going to be yeah. for
1: players. That's what that's what uh, a lot of people think, and it's a question I've I've yeah. That's that's something that a lot of people say. Um, it hasn't like our, our games have been better than expected. I, I expected it to be. I expected our games to be a little bit tougher than other sites, but not significantly. Right. Um, one of the first questions we asked ourselves when we we're deciding whether to launch the site or not was was basically that question. Was can we attract a wide enough base? Like, do we reach enough people to have an ecosystem where there are enough players that are losing? And and um, we did a lot of research and obviously a fair amount of guesswork, but determined that we we definitely did. And it's actually surprised me with the game quality. It's been better than I thought, and I think the reason for that is what's happened is there are a lot of people in the poker community that are excited about what we're trying to do, who who believe in our vision and our mission, believe in me. And, um, obviously, you know, like more rakeback back and, uh, and like some of the unique features that we have. Um, and those of them who are like, I would call sophisticated recreational players. So they, they're, they don't. They play for fun. They don't play for a living. They have another job. Um, most of them are are losing players so far, uh, but maybe not all. And uh, but like they follow things in poker. Right. Those people are all like, yeah, we believe in all those things. Let's let's go. And so they they make the jump. But then the the professionals have uh, you know want to support us, but they ask themselves the question that you asked. They also see that. You know, well, if I switch, let's say I'm a 50 NL professional or actually let's say a hundred NL, um, our games don't run that often. So, uh, or even at a stake where they do like 20 NL, um, they're like, well, I can get there and maybe get like at some times in the day, only two tables. Then I have to multi-site and I'd rather just play on one site where I can get all my volume. So I'm not going to bother. And so what's happened is we've gotten uh, too few of the professional players to, to try us. Right. And as, uh, and as, even if they like want to support us. And as a result, um, our, our games, I mean, like don't take my word for it. And I'm obviously very biased, but, uh, our games have been better than I expected. I've been pleasantly surprised. Right. Okay. That makes, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, well, we, we
0: have a, you set the record. It is official. I just had to check on there and they did about over a hundred questions. So, I mean, we're already, we had a, we had a blackout internet cut, in uh, <laughs> yeah we went up against it with a, a couple things here. We're gonna. We're, a lot of these questions are similar, and, and you got a pretty. Well, actually, before I die, one thing I want to cover is their challenges, and then I want to take questions. But quickly, I do notice you did mention two videos per day. It looks like is that so? This is an active running tally on your yeah twenty six hundred two. So you've actually had two videos every single day since inception. Is that true? Yeah, we've done it. That's insane. How, so? How does that work? Are you is the stock running low? Like a, a, like You build up. It seems almost not possible to
1: keep pace it's i mean we have a a team that bugs our pros all the time and uh yeah we always have a backlog it's it's tough though we've cut it close many times Right, and so then you okay, and
0: you got to rev it up and make sure you get tell guys look, you got to pump ten out in this yeah. day period or whatever. Um, interesting, wow, that's I, I listen. I I actually I'm a member run once, and I did not even I didn't realize this. I gotta I gotta dive back in here. And Let me ask you also, some of these guys you see, Ben Sulski and you know yourself, Jason Kuhn, Sam Greenwood, some of the best in the world. There's other you know really I mean the these guys are all fantastic players. Yeah. What is how would you say videos? If someone wanted to get on Run It Once right now, would would videos that how back? Is there a certain point where you think the the content isn't relevant? As for guys that were making videos on PLO, I mean, obviously it makes sense. The newer ones probably more relevant. But is there a year like if w- the original started when was the first videos in
1: two thousand thirteen? No, no of twenty. Back. Very end of twenty twelve. So yeah, I would say there are. I mean, if if we. If we didn't have that many videos, but they were spread out across all the years, I would say uh, obviously some of the strategies have changed, but good coaches can still take you through a thought process and you can learn some things. But because we release so many videos, I don't think that you need to dip back into the early videos. They're there. And I think there are like, we try to recommend some of the the best of the early ones that still apply. Um, When you're logged in, you have like a dashboard where we recommend some, and then we also have a uh, learning path. So if you show up um, and you want to go like uh, you click on learning paths and then you click on no limit and then you can click on like preflop play, there's a list of videos to go through in order on that or you right. look at flop, you know, flopsy betting, things like that. So uh, and some of those will include old videos, although we try to keep them with the newer ones. But yeah, I think some of the older stuff is uh, is out of date, but the good news is there's 5,000
0: plus. Tickets, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. cut out twenty, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, 14, 15, 16, even 17, 18, and you probably have plenty to watch, so that's yeah. not a, not an issue. Um, okay, well, I do want to remind everyone we do have a $55 ticket retweet for uh, if you ask Phil a question, you follow the instructions, you will be eligible, and we again, over 100 questions. I do want to make sure we kind of zip through a bunch of those so we can cover it. We're, we're, uh, we're going to try to get to a lot of those. Let's talk about this because this will come up a fair amount in the questions as well the challenge because this is obviously very exciting stuff you saw some of this back in the day there was some controversy where i think jungle man and dirt didn't finish some other big name high profile stuff you sort of bringing this excitement back you're going to showcase it on your site really great promotion uh tell me a little bit about how this came up and who who all is confirmed at the moment because i saw cool. Jay Nandez controversy where he pulled out there was some people rioting about that and what happened. But you know, tell me who's in, who
1: you're playing for sure, and wh- what that looks like and when we can watch it. Cool. So the challenges, I'll try to be quick, but the challenges the inception of it, it was in a few stages. The first one was I noticed that people were watching some of my PLO videos a little bit less and um, uh, than before and I started thinking, well, you know, it's been a couple of years or actually a few years since I've been full time on Run um, and haven't been playing as much PLO, so it makes sense that they would think I I don't have as much to teach them. But I think I do. So, so maybe a way to to prove that is to challenge, to have an open challenge to any other training site pro um, So play heads up PLO, and I'll lay them five to one or three to one on the side bet. Um, and so that was the initial idea. And then I, after talking about it with the team a little bit more, I realized it could be a good promotion for Run at Once. And after talking about it a little bit more, I realized that like. I really wanted, I was really excited to play poker. <laughs> uh, right. So then like the motivation shifted from kind of proving myself as a coach to uh, promoting run at once uh, poker and playing poker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how it happened. Um, I've got, so only one coach, uh, well, two coaches accepted, but Jane Endes, uh ended up uh, deciding not to play. Uh, Chance Corneth is the other one. Who has kind of accepted? We shifted the terms. It's four to one, and we're only playing thirty-five thousand hands instead of fifty thousand. That is not one hundred percent finalized. I'm trying to finalize uh, terms with him very soon. He's at a chip leader of a final table of a pending
0: WPT. Yeah, so maybe I I like that it'll go through. But he definitely seems like one of the PLO. You know, prides himself in that game, and and he's a great player. Also has a. training site uh you know so that that's pretty cool that seems like a exciting one um, yeah. w- what else who else is that i saw bill perkins of course yeah uh, that one is that the
1: first what's the first one i thought so i thought bill perkins in the thirst lounge would be the first one but the, that's gonna they're gonna play kind of sporadically most of the other matches i'm gonna do in order okay um but they're just gonna pop in every once in a while and play um,
0: I, I see a couple, I see Matt Forsyth, a couple other guys in yeah. the chat, some of the Thurston's 10 peeking in here and Drew and, and, and chatting. So explain that to us. So that means that it's not just Bill. Any of them can play at any point? Any of that?
1: Yeah, he can sub them in at any point and I uh, don't get to watch their streams, so I'm not going to know uh, oh. which of them is subbing in.
0: You know, the thirst lounge ten. Now I coined that. The um, the ten part of that came up. I helped Bill kind of pick, organize that. Do I qualify or no? Am I in there? Because I mean, that could be good on Twitch. No,
1: you don't qua- I Actually, it would be good on Twitch. Yeah. How much how much PLO do you play? I
0: mean, I play I play a decent amount of 100, <laughs> 200, six max. I like 100, 200, but I mean, I, I obviously I'm not, I'm not like, I wouldn't be like, oh great, Phil, let's battle. But I mean, listen, if yeah. you were to say Bill or the Thurston's 10, yeah, I'd put my, my, uh,
1: I would like my chances against, I think I'm their best
0: shot. I'll say that.
1: Yeah. Let me think about it. Cause okay. I think, I think he might be as well. But
0: I, feel, I mean, listen, I, I'm game selector and I, yeah, you yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near you. So don't, don't think <laughs> like you're, you know, anyway, but yeah, interesting. Uh, fun um, a couple, yeah. Couple hands, at least, you know, during, yeah. maybe like a portion of it.
1: So there's that. And then I'm playing Brandon Adams in a live match. So that's going to happen later, like this summer. Okay. Um, and then for the online matches, there's jungle man playing a short, that's the shortest match, I think um i was with him in
0: london two days ago uh chatting about it he he was you know i'm not going to give away you know gauging the where he's at but for sure that's an epic one i mean jungle man and you are those are like that's that's just kind of iconic
1: you got to have that one yeah he's somebody like i was not excited to play him but he's just the dream like for promotion of the site it's just too good and he wants he wants to us to both stream it so it's just going to be Awesome. He actually asked
0: me if he could stream it on my Twitch channel because he doesn't have one. I said, yeah. sure, of course. Awesome. So that's great. So maybe yeah, you don't have to. You just play jungle against on, on mine. That's, so that's fun. So there's jungle. There's thirst lounge. There's chance corneth. Um, Nandez, what happened with that? Just to not to add, I saw there was people kind of whatever. What was actually, what, what was the reason that it was promoted
1: and then decided not to? Uh, he, I, I don't know the exact reason that he decided not to. Um, I saw he made a the, statement, but I didn't really. Yeah. So his statement was that there was just too much, like he, it was going to be too much preparation, more preparation than he was willing than like he had time for. And he didn't feel right. Cause he was gonna have to raise money and he was going to do it through in, like uh, multiple investors. He didn't feel right about raising money to play when he wasn't going to dedicate hundred percent of himself. Uh, to the match. Interesting. I mean, he's he.
0: I would say he's one of the biggest. I mean, obviously, does strictly PLO coaching courses. and yeah.
1: Stuff. I mean that that
0: would be. You know, I would almost think that he would be your toughest opponent, probably just because he's literally living, breathing PLO like twenty four seven. I just would think that. I think, I think out of the coaches, out of the coaches, I, yeah, I think so. That um, this would that be my. My, to be fair, though, heads up is a different animal, right? Because even like playing six max, like I feel fairly comfortable. But yeah, like heads up, I would be, you know,
1: I, I get how it differs, but it's it is different, right? Like it's a it's different definitely animal. different, but same. The same skills can apply, but yeah, it's it's definitely different.
0: Yeah, like I mean, you think about just from fundamentally, like hold'em nine max if versus a heads up. They call the computer hand is queen seven off and a heads up hold'em yeah. match, but in PLO, I would have literally you know, I would have to find that out. I have no clue. It would be important to sort of understand a gauging
1: point. What is, what is the computer hand in, in PLO? What is the middle? I don't think left? there is one. There are too many different. Uh, there are too many that around 50% uh, okay. equity, but all I right. think, uh, yeah, it's much because like the main difference is that like all the same skills apply, but if you're playing nine handed hold them and you're, kind of mediocre but you just play really tight you can get away with it and, and mm-hmm. like you can win but if you're mediocre and playing heads up you can't like you can't, can't like yeah you can't hide. And and what about PLO uh, it's the same thing um, in if to a lesser extent in PLO I think the no limit but it's right. still the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I guess, like, the more hands you play or whatever, the more in the challenge, the variance is going to, you know, it's going to kind of show who's, hopefully, it makes sense. To, but still, in PLO, there is so many situations. Are you getting a couple pots or depending on how it breaks, there's some excitement because it is kind of that. Cool. What is I think, what is the actual most equity disadvantage hand between PLO? Like, because oh, in Hold'em, it's, you know, not aces to ace six off or whatever. What about yeah. in, um, PLO, like, because I mean, it still is not that crazy. Like,
1: you're never like. I don't, I don't know the answer, but you probably like in the maybe 70, 72% or something, I would think. I mean, that just. Oh, no, 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 no. You can be dead with uh, quad deuces against like quad fives. Okay.
0: But, but someone that has even rudimentary yeah. understanding knows, like, even with some kind of double suited Oh, guard, yeah. Then you're going like, to be like 46%. Right. Go somewhere. Okay. Um, fair enough. Sorry. Right. So you got those. And, and how? what's the most you'll do? Cause these are, are you, is this an open market? You're still taking offers or how, in terms of, so, lock, cause it's a lot of time.
1: I'm not, I mean, like I've kind of settled on these as the kind of final choices, but if, if a good offer comes along also, if I go through the challenges faster than expected, or if somebody backs out um, technically, you know, would still consider offers. Um, so it's those guys. And then uh, Action freak and Venny Vivi, who are not well known uh, outside of just being high stakes crushers uh, on Poker Stars. Okay,
0: and that, those may be some of the tougher matches, then, right? Those are some of the highest. I mean, yeah. current. You know, really good players, which is kind of tough for you too, because a jungle man or guy like that—you know—those are the kind of guys where people probably think it could go either way or it's super close. and great players, but like these are guys that are maybe less known, but they're—they're they're probably the the toughest, right? So those would almost hurt more. Yeah, they're
1: the the specialists that that are focusing on PLO and are you know have been for a while, and uh, you know, Jungle Man and I haven't been uh, necessarily. Right. He has more than me, but uh, but yeah, he plays a hundred games, so. Right. Yeah. He's,
0: he's, he's special and that'll be fun. Jungle on yeah. That's uh that's, that's definitely uh pay-per-view. We I'm going to be
1: sad that I can't watch it like, or I, cause I have to be focused on playing. Right. yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, have right. to watch it back, but that's yeah, awesome. he's, he's great entertainment. That'll be fun. Um, okay.
0: So those, that's, what's going on. Very exciting. A lot of that, that for sure, you know, it gives that feel back in the day. Um, but those those kind of challenges that people can actually watch and, and not only now just watch but actually see the whole cards is just pretty insane. So that's exciting really creative and
1: uh, uh, actually correct. So like the jungle match and the Perkins match will be each be streaming with whole cards but a lot of the other matches will be streamed like yeah. we'll put together a broadcast but there won't be whole cards it'll just be like observable view with commentators.
0: Okay, so you, so you would be, but you would you be actually on Twitch? You're playing and just don't see your cards, or it wouldn't even be. You would be. It like, wouldn't okay, be me. Like, okay, you would be playing, and it would be like watching in real time, but not seeing the cards. Is yeah, that exactly? yeah, that's yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's cool too. I think it's nice. That's cool to get both both views and ways on yeah, it. There yeah. It is sometimes. It's fun. It's fun that way too. So, um, very cool. All right, well, let's dive in, Phil. As We have, man, there's a lot of fills in poker. This is crazy. It's definitely fill in. What's the other one? There's one other that's really popular, but fill is, you know, that there's uh a, Dan, I think Dan, Dan's big, Dan yeah. Joe, that's, those are the poker guys. So we are going to dive into the questions now. Uh, if you guys have them, you can still try to get them in. Uh, we are going to go over on to Twitter. And, again, there's a giveaway. If you are participating, you're going to be eligible, uh, let's kind of run in there. Uh, best poker book, what do you think? Now it's so much online, you run it once, but is there any book that you think is great or was great?
1: Um, so... I'm pretty sure the the best book is Mathematics of Poker, but I've never read it. So, uh, but that's what I'm going with. Okay, fair enough. I like it. Funniest poker player, man. You know, I've I've uh, more recently been playing in uh, Bobby's room and noticed that David Oppenheim's very
0: funny. Okay, yeah, like I've heard that as well. I actually don't. I don't think I've ever played with him, but. Yeah. I've heard that jungle man's got to be up there. Just uh, yeah, days. actually jungle man beats him. Okay. But both, yeah, both yeah. are good. Um, do you plan to retire? Do you plan to retire from poker is
1: retiring in your repertoire? I don't, I mean, maybe, but no, I don't. I, I love playing poker. I, I haven't lost any uh, passion for, for playing. So if I do retire, it'll be because I'm doing something else I'm passionate about basically. Fair enough. Yeah, we probably always play right poker, even even
0: even if you retire. Like they will be. I a think so. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to imagine Yeah. No poker. Uh, Phil, what would you recommend to a new slash weak player? The fish sign, raise your edge or run at once. What is the main difference between them? And I'll take that further and say, <laughs> what is run at once? I'm I'm a raise your edge guy. Just been with them and doing their stuff. I I've run it once as well, and and I can endorse you know say that I think they're all great and do different things slightly. But what would be the difference between
1: your site and say a raise your edge or other sites? So I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not super familiar with the, with the like content, like topic covered on Raise Your Edge. I feel like they're more tournament based, but is that, un, or is that untrue? Yeah that's, yeah, that's fair. So we covered no limit cash games, PLO cash games, and then tournaments. Um, so, uh, it depends. So for a new beginning player, I think that actually the From the Ground Up course that I mentioned is really, really good. I'm biased. I'm going to say run it once, but I actually, I'm not a member of Razor Edge, so I can't confidently say that, uh, that the content's better. But uh, From the Ground Up is, is really good. It's, it's just 50 bucks um, and pretty comprehensive course uh, to get you from, like, beginner to, to competent, like, beginner slash competent up to, to like, almost advanced or advanced. And, um, it comes with a free month of essential, which is $25 otherwise, and, uh, you have lifetime access to it if you buy it. So I would highly recommend that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm always gonna say run it once though, even, even if it's not true. I love it. Well, it's good. I mean, it's good.
0: Uh, New year's resolutions or challenges in 2020 safe to say you've got some, some challenges going on with these yeah. uh, heads up matches. Do you have any do, you do resolutions? Do you reflect at any point on your What's going on? Um, you mentioned at the start that you feel like you take too much on as well as myself, like kind of just mm-hmm. want to do everything, but anything that you're looking to sort of hone in on or change.
1: No this year I didn't really have one. Uh, I have done in the past but no but no actually the, the last time I kind of made a resolution was at the the course uh, the Elliot course mm-hmm. that, that we were both at yep. it's kind of led to the challenges in that like I, I realized I want to be doing less of the business stuff that that doesn't interest me more of the stuff that does and more poker playing and um, coming up with the challenges is, is a way
0: to do that. That's awesome. I agree. I think sometimes too, I just sort of find yourself on the business side of things, especially when you're the CEO or founder of a site like that, where you're like, "All right, I got to do this. I want it how I want to want to craft it." But then it's like, "Wait, like I love poker, and I'm yeah. not really playing enough." So, um, cool. That's good. Someone someone asked you beat Jeff heads up. Uh, I guess with PLO um, or heads up, I certainly know. a PLO. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope that's the case. That's your that's your yeah. thing. So maybe there's a chance we get a little couple hands in, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, admission, there said, poker is it a hobby or a work for you at this point? How do you how do you
1: say? That? I mean, I still would I still consider myself professional, even though I haven't been playing much. So I call it work. All right, and there, this player is asking Don Yugoslavia,
0: are you afraid of Man, Dan, is there anyone that scares you at, in PLO or that you're like, man, this
1: guy is tricky or tough? Um, anyone? I not mean, some jungle people do. No, Jungleman, of my challengers, I'm reasonably scared of of Jungle. Right. Um, Got to respect Jungle. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot, there are a lot of, I mean, Action Freak is someone that scares me a little bit. Obviously, Venny VD, I think, hasn't played as much heads up as uh, scares me at 6 max. And uh, I don't know, like Sauce and Berry Sweet, uh, Ben86, Ike, those mm-hmm. guys come to mind for very scary give me a little bit of
0: an understanding in nine max six max and you you want a bracelet ten handed or nine hand i guess nine handed plo yeah Uh, nine handed six handed heads up how drastic of differences are those formats within plo versus a no limit would you say like how does that different
1: differentiate the difference i think that it's kind of similar to to no limit with the exception that nine handed plo is just awful like i think it's an awful game nine handed no limit still a good game but nine-handed plo it's just you're so handcuffed in what you can play that you just have to be super tight not only pre-flop but post like it, it gets too boring in, in nine-handed hold you can still do some stuff <laughs> right um because like you have pre-flop fold equity and like the equities are further apart but in in and like you can just bluff but, like, if you're playing against super, super strong ranges and nine-handed PLO and multiple players in a pot, you just kind of have to surrender when you don't have anything, and it, it's kind of a boring game, I think. Right. Okay.
0: And how, anything – what do you have to say about tournament poker currently, the state of PLO tournament poker? Because I love you – know, I just played one at Dust Till Dawn the other day, had a blast, you know, six-handed mm-hmm. tournament live. They have some online. Well, is there any suggestions you would make to the current format of um, – where where we're at with that, where tournaments are at, and PLOs, you know, there's big blind. Annie got introduced in the recent time yeah. for no limit. Big big adjustment. Uh, shot clocks have been introduced. What do you think could be done to make PLO more exciting, or, or uh, you know, for yeah. people, what, what could we do to make that more of a thing?
1: Tournament. I, th- I think the I think it's pretty important. I think six handed is important. Maybe seven if you want a little bit more, but not nine-handed. And um, I think the ante is very important. And I think it's I think it's better that the ante doesn't count towards the size of the pot mm-hmm. um, because what that allows for is, is looser play. And because the the problem with PLO as a tournament game is when you get to later stages and there's like all the ICM considerations, you don't have a lot of incentive to enter pots um, because you're never going to be 80-20. And just, like, there's so many spots where it's just, like, you don't want to take a sixty forty, but you're always sixty forty 40 at best. So, I think that, uh, I think there needs to be the extra incentive to fight for pots. And so, the anti works. And then, the, it not counting towards the pot makes it such that, like, your pot odds to steal or to defend are better. And your pot odds, when you get three better, better. And, and so, like, Interesting. It's a otherwise, com- it plays too tight. Yeah, is that something
0: you've is have you heard chats about that, or do you think that's something that could be implemented? Because I like that idea. I don't think
1: I've ever. It's in the the Aria high rollers. They do that where it doesn't count preflop towards the size of the pot, but then they count it post flop. I don't feel too strongly whether it should count post flop or not. I think I slightly prefer that it doesn't, but. Whatever. Interesting.
0: All right. So it sounds like there is some, yeah. some uh, adjustments going on. What, what about short deck? Cause that's also now a new hot topic. There's Triton, you know, they play spread a lot of that in tournaments. Uh, how about, give me your thoughts on short deck. Do you play at all? And, uh, what about that as a tournament game?
1: I don't play at all. I think it's, it, I mean, it seems in terms of equity is pretty similar to PLO. So I think it, I, well, the anti structure like the blind structure is much different though. Um, And so I, I almost wonder if, if a similar, like if they're having success with that, maybe there's some way for PLO structure to, to, to uh, emulate the uh, short deck structure. I don't know. Um, But I'm not familiar enough with it. I've, I've I've played like six hands of it because somebody forced it into a mixed game that I was playing. But uh, I, yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay. Very, yeah. Interesting. I think that also, I, I noticed commentating some Triton stuff too, that it did seem a bit slow. The short deck, yeah. you know, like kind of towards the end where it's like people are gambling a lot at the beginning and going for stacks, but then sort of later it gets like really deep and tight. Um, so interesting also to try to find a way on that. Um Talked about big promotions coming out for run at once. We already covered that. You guys can check back and see. Also go to Phil's Twitter. Um, Who has been your most fearsome adversary? The one that cost you the defeat and the one that made you have to play your best poker. Yeah, Over the years, is there anyone that just online sort of had your number at that period of time and when you're battling or that
1: you never did seem to do well against? Um, I think for a long time it was uh, Ivy Um, and actually Zygmunt for a long time. Uh, Seemed to always have my number. Is he still playing? I haven't seen Zygmunt's name. I haven't seen him much uh, lately. Um, As far as more recently, I don't know. I think that, like, I, I think I've, I'm, I think I'm up against him overall, but not, not by a ton. But Isildur is definitely somebody who stands out as like, I don't know. I feel like on my, on my A game, I, I've always, I feel like historically on my A game, I have an edge and on my C game, he's going to crush me. So like, he's always kept me on my toes. Um,
0: would he be someone in the challenge potentially? Or is that, have you talked to him or heard from him? I
1: reached out to him because like, I mean, like jungle man, it would be just awesome if, yeah. for the challenge and the, and the publicity. If he would play, um, I think he wasn't, wasn't up for it. Okay. Um, all right. Fair enough.
0: And who do you figure, do you have an idol in poker or whoever you said the table, same tables or anyone from back in the day, like originally on TV or just someone that's been around for a long time or even just say when you started in poker, let's just go there. Maybe that you like, we're like, wow, that's really cool. This guy's made it for a living. He's I like how he carries himself and how he's a professional. Is there anyone that stood out to you
1: early in your career? Uh, early in my career, uh, Barry Greenstein, um, well, there are a lot of people, but I think who I mean Phil Ivy, um, Negreanu. But I think like uh, as I've played more and and uh, learn more, of what who stood out to me the most is Doyle, um, just because like I, I so I I kind of had a realization when I was pl- I was playing in these like in big bet it was big bet mix so it's like twelve games, all no limit or pot limit, and I'm sitting there with like like, I don't, I don't remember who's in the game at the time, uh, Rast, Jungleman, uh, Robel, mm-hmm. and like uh, Doyle and a couple other people. And like sitting there thinking that like the people who can compete like at, at super high stakes these days, there are so few people who who are over the age of 50 and compete like with the best. Mm-hmm. And Doyle in his 80s is like holding his own. Uh, in like, in like every game, like these are all, these aren't games. He's particularly like studied. He's just played every game. And, uh, and so I, it just occurred to me that like, if he's doing this now, when he was young, he must've just been like absolutely demolishing. Like he, he, like, I I think probably what, what I think when Doyle was young, he probably was the best player by a wider margin than anybody else has ever been. Yeah. Um, at any point in poker. So yeah. um, I have a lot of respect
0: for him. Very cool. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, he is the guy. He's definitely like the most iconic and legendary guy in the game. Yeah. It's so nice to hear that leads up, you know, lives up to that hype and he's still doing yeah, it. Yeah, like
1: for yeah. a long time, always always knew of Doyle, of course, and respected him and like by reputation. Um, but it wasn't until like I played a lot with him. and was like, I don't know. I just assumed, you know, he's like every He's just been around a while and was good but like the fact that like yeah he can still play really high level poker at his age when so many other top pros like of of the past can't hang anymore right um right. it just yeah blew my mind
0: it's pretty crazy let me ask you as well what do you what are your thoughts on Joey Ingram as a PLO player cuz i'd say in my, in my experience you know i started to play more PLO in the last couple of years i love the game i'd say that the people i think of when i hear PLO are you, um, Jay Nandez now just, he does so much content in poker and you know Joey Ingram, he's obviously yeah. a super successful podcast. I'm sure you've been on it a few times yeah, and yeah. once and he's uh sort of the PLO, you know, he just loves it and he, yeah. he lives it, breathes it, and just just loves the game, such a such an endorser of the game. What do you think of uh Joey's
1: PLO game and, and knowledge of a of a player? I've played so little with him over the years. Like I I played with him many years ago but but not that much. I don't really know uh what his game is like. Um was that would that be someone like Joey Ingram or Luke Schwartz
0: full flush just for like a media perspective? Do you think that would be something that they would be interested in, like Joey or, or not? Because I mean I just also I don't think Joey really plays a lot of heads up. Right? Joey doesn't play as much anymore.
1: He doesn't play as much heads up and also like yeah. the stakes are very high. Right. So like I don't think he would like he would hop in for fun if the stakes were reasonable, but, right. um, but I'm, I'm only playing 100, 200 or higher. It's also so, like, okay. I'm sure he could raise some money
0: just as well as like has contacts, but it's, it's kind of one of those things too. It's like, you know, yeah, guys that, you know, would probably, he, if you really want to play high and sell some action, you could do it. But it's like, when you say, Oh, well, who's it again? So oh, let's fill. 100. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, all right, like yeah. let's, we could find better
1: spots. Yeah. So I'm sure that's not. So yeah, a couple other people. So like Luke Schwartz reached out, um, and made kind of a challenge and we, we may or may not play that's still uh undecided but he'd be obviously a great one for promotion he wants to play uh, mixed games but still like good for promotion and Mm -hmm. actually rob reached out uh on twitter as well rob young yeah uh wanting a challenge and so we've kind of we we discussed general terms and he wants to play big he's the one that wants to play biggest which is which is also fun but uh that hasn't been uh figured out all the way either Interesting.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, and very interesting. Yeah, I saw Luke in London as well the other night. I saw a couple of your opponents here that are, you know, they're ready. They're ready to go. So it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to watch. This is really is gonna be a treat. What do you think about uh, for you, have you thought about selling any action or sweats for the community? Like, what about a site, you know, Stake Kings, where people you can crowdfund? You could cap it at, say, 5 or $10 a person and put up, since it's such high stakes, and letting, you know, people sweat along where they can buy a tiny piece in some of these matches. Does that interest you at all? Obviously, you're trying to play as high as the sky, but just in terms of having fun where people can have a piece and be involved in that.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I thought about it at one point a little bit and then. I just decided not to, for some reason, I don't remember why and haven't thought about it since. And I'm a little worried. It's, I don't know. I'm going to give it a think again.
0: Cause uh, maybe you could do it if you have to buy in via your run at once account or something, if they could tie that with, with staking. They do that. Yeah. Well, if you can, you can buy in with your run at once if on there, you can click a thing and then, you know, you buy a piece of it via that. I don't know. That's just an idea. I think it would be fun. Cause I know that's like <laughs> the number one request I get on Twitch and other places for when I play, it's like people just want to have a sweat. It doesn't matter how small, if it's a dollar or 50 cents, it's kind of yeah. cool. I got a piece of Phil Galfine. He's playing jungle man.
1: I don't you know, know. I remember why. The, so the, the challenge with this compared to like a tournament is that there's no, uh, loss cap. Mm. so, like I play twenty five thousand hands against any v d uh I could lose a hundred k I could lose seven million in theory, right so like I don't know how so I don't know how to to raise money for a certain I, I, percentage I think what, well, yeah I't that, that
0: could be my initial thought on that would be that you would sell under an impression and maybe set a higher number than not, and you basically say yeah. like, this is up to, but you could only win that much too. I don't know, you yeah. set it out like a realistic like it's for a plus or minus two million. Or something that you're only on. That's that's the exposure. Do the percent. I have no idea, but something along those lines where you could let. But I, I would buy a piece. I would love to sweat and and you know do that. So I just was thinking about that. But uh, okay, cool. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, anything about that. Cool. It's a great. You know, I think it's a nice promotional piece as well. All right, sidetrack there, Phil. Uh, okay, did who do you consider your? Your idol. We kind of went over that. What is the modis- What is the motivation behind the Galfan Challenge, guys? We did this already. Kind of came up. We talked about where yeah. it came about. Uh, why? What's your poker room different from the rest? Ivan Narg asked. What? What separates Run Ron from the other sites?
1: Um, so we have uh, a lot of things that are different. And uh, I'll since we're <laughs> since we're long uh, going long, I'll try to be quick about it. Um, the gist is that we are like our goal is to create a sustainable. Uh, beatable poker, uh, and that involves uh, like creative solutions to problems that the industry is facing. And so, uh, for example, I think that uh, I think that tool. One problem that the industry is facing is that uh, recreational players are losing too quickly because the the pro the, their loss rates are getting too high. Um, and so when you lose when your loss rates too high, you lose consistently and and quickly. Um, and so, uh, part of that is being targeted, uh, by a number of tools, seeding scripts. Um, and then, you know, people having statistics on you that, that, uh, allow them to, to, to know like what, what type of player you are and, and quickly, uh, take advantage of that. And so. Is there a HUD on run at once? Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no HUD's allowed. We have a, and it's, when you sit down at a table, you get a table alias. So you're going to be a different name on each table. So nobody can have a, like, it's not possible to have a backlog of, okay. of stats on you. Um, but we have a built-in feature, uh, Dynamic Avatars, which will change the expression of your avatar based on uh, the way that you're playing preflop. Okay. And so we, we show, and, and like you can hover to see if somebody's loose aggressive or tight passive, things like that. Um, there's seven different categories. And we do that so that like, the information is the same for everybody. Cause that's something that you don't need to buy a HUD and, and you can understand, even if you haven't learned what 37, 10 means, mm-hmm. um, you can understand what loose, aggressive means and angry face <laughs> means. Right. Uh, so that's one thing, uh, just one example. Another thing that we've done is, uh, half of our awards come through splash the pot, um, which is, uh, so like it's, actually more than half. So 30% of rake collected uh, goes back through splash the pot onto the tables. And so at random intervals, an amount of money is dropped into the middle of the table um, and it acts as an ante. So it can be anything from one big blind to a thousand big blinds. Um, and anything below 100 big blinds, you just play for. So if there's like 10 big blinds dropped in the middle, now you just play poker with a 10 big blind ante, which is something nobody's ever played. Mm-hmm. And uh, this does a few things. It It shows people like, I mean, it, it, it's fun. It shows people their rewards, uh, like, a lot more visibly than other sites. It doesn't let you, like, not cash in on your rewards, um, which is a problem sometimes on other sites. Like, people accumulate points and don't even know that they have mm-hmm. and uh, then just quit because, like, recreational players especially. Right. Um, and it's also a bot deterrent um, because if somebody's built a bot that knows how to play 100 big blind through uh, 200 big blind, no limit hold'em, six max. right it hasn't necessarily learned to play with three big blind ante and a five big blind ante and a 10 big blind ante and a 20 big blind ante and a 50 big blind ante. So um, it, it, it it doesn't, you know, in and of itself completely stop botting, but it's a, it's a great uh, deterrent for bots. And, uh, and also for the same reasons kind of mixes things up and, and gives people a chance to play a format that they have not studied for, A thousand hours Mm -hmm. um, and and kind of like take us back to the old days of like who can figure it out first, uh, what the best strategy is here. Like when there's 20 big blinds drops in the middle and I'm under the gun, do I limp with a bunch of stuff? Uh, Do I have an open raising range? And uh, what are other people doing? What should I do to counter? cetera. Very cool. Yeah. I saw a tweet about your, your wife Farah was in a pot
0: the other day of one of those and she didn't, she's like, I didn't win, but um, good thing I didn't win. It was like a big one or something. It was a big one. Yeah. 500 yeah. big blinds. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, all right. So where's the money PLO or no limit hold I guess you've decided PLO, but do you feel right now in the current
1: state of poker? Is it, is it? I work? think cash for cash games is PLO, but tournaments, obviously no limit. So, and like, I think tournaments, uh, it. I mean, it depends on the stakes you play, but I would say that tournaments are like the most dependable, uh, like tournaments. It, I don't, I'm not as pessimistic about the future of poker as some people are, but some people think, you know, the games are just going to get too tough. And um, the tournaments are the format that's going to kind of hold out the longest or survive the longest if, if those people are right. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, and I agree with you as
0: well. You see, the numbers are up kind of everywhere. Like a lot of, and there are reentries. It's a bit complicated. That's a huge uh, point right now in the industry. People are talking, you know, see Alex Fox and win five enter five times win the Bellagio at the end of the year, but then, you know, he rented four times at the, and he made a tweet about it, you know, saying he won four, he entered four times at the one in Millions and, and didn't didn't uh, cash. So, I mean, it's like kind of you know you can go on either way of that and how it works. Yeah. They're trying to find a good answer on what the right right thing is, but the, the numbers are up. I mean, you look at yeah. WP, look at WPT, look at the party poker stops. You look at a lot. Even online numbers are surprisingly during big series are are high. Yep. These party hit a twenty million guaranteed ten k again. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's like so. It's not just like there's a. Uh, it's like dried up by any means. And I think it's like, yeah, there's solvers, there's this, but there's so much there's important part is having new people come into the game. And also now it's passed, right? Michigan, um, Pennsylvania, there's national level sports is, uh, is uh, passed yeah. in the U S. So it does seem like people are getting with the times a bit and it's sort of moving the right direction. So I, I definitely feel like I'm not one of those. that think it's going
1: away at any, any time. No. I just, uh, I guess my computer started playing the sound. All right. All right. No worries. Yeah, well, Bill,
0: I do. We have so many questions. I want to rapid fire a few. I know we're already, I, my neck cut out for a few minutes, but we're getting close to that time. I know you got to, you have, I think you have to get going soon too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe. So When give me a couple minute notice when it's actually time. I got to pull the plug. Um, any what is your biggest loss, if you don't mind sharing? Some of those were public back in yeah. the day. Like, what, was, what was the largest win and loss you've had online in a day back during like the uh, uh, heyday?
1: Largest loss was 1.1 million. I think it happened twice. And largest win was 1.6 million. happened once.
0: Nice to have the bigger than the, yeah. the, the loser. What was the feeling? Give me a little bit of a. How did, tell me what you set. How did, when you ended those sessions, give me a little look at the different. Mm. Plus a million, down a million in terms of what you do when you turn that computer off. Man, it's been a while. Um, are you one of those like neutrality equanimity totally balanced? Or do you, I mean, I don't think feel a little different, but
1: like if you were, I feel a lot different. I think if you were observing me, you wouldn't notice much of a difference. I mean, like both times or all the times I'm just exhausted and like finishing up a session, I eat something, go to bed. Um, but obviously my, uh, you know, my internally, uh, of course. There's some know. different emotion. Yeah. Uh, how many challenges do you expect
0: to be a favorite in?
1: I really don't know. I think, I mean, like, so there are some challenges where I've given long odds um, and I expect to be a favorite in those, uh, of course, otherwise I wouldn't have given long odds. I I think I'm going to know a lot more once, once I play this first match, like once I'm halfway through, because... You know there like there was a time several years ago when I would say I was at the, at the top of p l o and uh, I'm certainly like not anymore, but uh, I think that if if I focus on it like i I mean I haven't been for that long but I've been prepping a little bit and then focus on it throughout all these challenges i I think I can get back there and so but I don't know that I can <laughs> so I think that uh like this first match uh, I didn't necessarily want to start with a match this tough, but it's going to be a good test. And I'm I thought which one's the first one. Veni VD is first. Okay. It is right away. If, uh, yeah. okay, exactly. And we're playing 25,000 hands. So like in tw- over 25,000 hands, the better player wins very often. So um, I'm going to know a lot more about where I stand after that match. Uh, right now it's, it's unclear for sure. And is he going to stream that or no? No. So that we'll just have a broadcast uh, with commentators on the run. It Once Twitch channel and uh, just like the observed tables. Who are the commentators? Is that announced yet or decided yet? Not announced. Partially decided, but not announced yet. Yeah.
0: Very cool. That'll be that'll definitely be must-see TV. And wait, that starts soon. Starts soon. It's uh, January 22nd. So, so that's with, next Wednesday. Within a week. Wow. Uh, what's your most memorable televised YouTube PLO hand? Is there one that just stood out that you've played high-stakes cash, win or loss, that was just like viral or anything super exciting?
1: I think I only played... PLO on TV. Oh, I guess I did more recently. Forgot about that. What do you mean? That's how you got Faro, right? That's how you got in the. In no, time. it was it was no limit that I I I won Faro for with my no limit skills. No limit skills, um, slash,
0: uh, good demeanor, and
1: your positivity. My positivity. Uh, I think it was. I don't know. There's some hand that happened on Poker After Dark recently where I, uh, bluffed in a big pot against Ike, with a flush blocker, but uh, I don't think the play was that exceptional. But it was like. It's pretty cool. Okay, I did see that one. Um,
0: okay, tell me, tell me, we got to cut off. I'm not going to lie, I can't. We got, we got a lot of viewers on. We got okay. questions. I'm not going to quit you, so you got to, you have to be the one to cut this off. You got to okay. tell me for okay. close or not. Give me, give me a, give me a bit of a, give me a two minute warning. Okay, I will. That's all I'm asking. Um, okay. Oh yeah, it's, give me, give me an idea and how. So I want to talk about tables. What was it in your the, how? What's the most tables you ever played? And when you were back in the day, online cash, was it how was it nine max PLO, six max? You were playing a lot of heads up. How, what was back in your started PLO
1: career, what kind of games were you playing, and how many tables at once would you play at the max? Six max. Uh basically, I mean, I would play some heads up, but when I was multi tabling, it was six max and like I mean So it was regular tables, not Zoom, of course. Uh like I think 12 is the most that I would do with any kind of regularity, like 10 to 12. I, sometimes I would try like 14, but it always went poorly. And there was one crazy match where I played heads up and I think we played heads up either eight or 10 tables. And it was like, I was timing out everywhere. I don't, uh, it was, a mess. yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what What do you, what would
0: you, um, what would you give yourself? Let's say Phil on at a hundred, you're a hundred PLO player. On at your best, one tabling, six max. What do you give Phil Galf on twelve tableing six max? How big of a drop in in your the best game does it does it go in there? Is there a sweet spot like four games? It's totally fine too, but six, eight, ten, twelve like kind of a drop off because it is a it's kind of hard. PLO is pretty for me. I I never I've mostly tabled one two no limit a lot. Like my heyday was like doing a lot of tables, but I just would imagine PLO is so much more complex of a game to multi-table in a way like almost.
1: I don't know how much more complex I think it's probably kind of similar um, but you play a few more hands so like so you're involved in more hands more often. I mean I think anything over uh, two tables there's some level of skill degradation but for me it's like you know four six max tables I feel fine if they're regular tables um, and then over six is where I start to see like a bigger drop off and what
0: what can we expect in these heads up challenges two tables normally two fours what are the what are the we're gonna start
1: up? with uh so my many match we're gonna start with two and kind of both see how we feel um I know that I can handle two I don't know if I can I don't know what three or four would be like because I'm so out of practice but um how long would two tables take in this format roughly how many hours to do hand wise to, to so come? I it, it's tough like so I haven't timed like on run at once poker exactly because every site deals at different speeds and stuff. And it depends a little bit on how people play, but I'm guessing that it's, you know, something like 200 hands an hour, two tabling. So then Venny and I are playing, we're starting at four hours a day, five days a week. Um, so just for easier math, I'm going to pretend that's five hours a day, four days a week. So that would be a thousand a day, 4,000 hands a week. So that would be six weeks to get to 25,000 hands well we're we're gonna try to pick up the pace like add more hours if uh if we both feel up to it is that something will will it be multiple matches going at once or is it just one match until your completion i'd like to do one match at a time but we'll see i I think there there are times that i'll have to do uh a couple it's really tough to schedule with all these different people and like yeah. That, I would think it
0: makes sense almost to have multiple going, right? Cuz then it's like if someone's not ready or available, you're you're just like, all right,
1: I'm ready these times to do it, but I guess it gets Yeah, a little, it's, it's tougher. Dangerous. It's Yeah. It's tougher for me to like I think it reduces my, my chances of winning cuz just or, or edge if I have an edge because That's just true. like focusing on one person is definitely easier, but I'll do what I have to do. I'm trying to fit them all in interesting
0: yeah I guess that is interesting at the same time maybe you're in a little better form like if you play two hours and then you get the next guy two hours later and like you're just like zoomed in yeah and like I don't know so maybe it balances out but I I don't know that is interesting Um, what's your dream heads up challenge match out of all the poker legends forget this challenge match but who would you just like who would be cool to just go heads up with and go for it man um
1: Twitter's bringing heat some good questions out there that's really tough one um, I mean, I, the, I guess maybe Ivy I've played him before heads up, but he's just like, a uh, I mean, he's a legend of course. And he's really, really good. Like one, one thing that I think I'm good at is the kind of leveling the adjustment counter adjustment game, staying one step ahead, but he's definitely better than me at that. And so I like that challenge. is that would. What-
0: I, I mean, you said you reached out to Isildur as Ivy because that's something you would consider for this or is that not really I,
1: – I don't know if how interesting I, mean, I don't. I, don't I doubt he'd be super interested because I think he's like – I mean, I don't think he's played online in a while. I think he's probably in big, yeah. big doing, games. Doing yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, he be, he'd be terrible to schedule with.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be hard. Um, oh, yeah. To, so we're saying you don't want to go into too much detail, but in terms of prep – for the challenges, is there anything you can give us out there that to give us a look into your
1: daily routine or what's how you uh, might, uh, yeah. approach this? I thought that I was gonna have like a very good routine for the last couple of months, but it just hasn't been the case because stuff comes up, you run a business, you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um so it hasn't been as much as I as I want. I think I'm gonna like I've been I've I've like basically before a couple of months ago, almost never used solver. So I've started to. Um, but I still haven't spent that much time in them, but I'm, I'm just trying to grab like overall concepts. Cause obviously like without hundreds of hours, uh, spent on it, you're not going to like pick up exact strategies or anywhere close to it. I'm trying to extract concepts where I can. And, um, during, I think that a lot of my work, like my best work is going to happen during the challenges. So play of for four hours and then spend a couple hours reviewing hands and and looking at things um, like identifying spots where he, I think that he's whatever, let's say, uh, over bluffing or or over folding or whatever whatever it is, and and see how I want to take advantage of it. And uh, I think that's where that's where I will do the most work. But uh, like like everything, I I think I always expect that I can handle more than I end up being able to handle. So we'll see. I'm with you on that. Um-
0: what are the highest stakes you have got someone to agree to on the golf Fund challenge? And what is the biggest odds you've given for those two to, to catch people up on what action you got out there? Okay. I think
1: so. Jane has had five to one, but that's gone. So chance has four to one. You gave Jane and five to one. Yeah. That, so five for one, it, it was three to one was the coach's challenge. And then I had no coach. I was talking to a few and then they all couldn't do it. So I tweeted, all right, for 48 hours, I'll give five to one. And that was when he was, that's when he took it. Um, Chance has four to one on 35,000 hands and Perkins has four to one on uh, 20 buy and stop loss.
0: How can Jay is not take a five to one, man? I can't believe like he couldn't find some
1: money. Like right. could, I mean, he said he could He yeah. could find the money, but he felt irresponsible because he wasn't going to prepare. I mean, it's, it's yeah, 50,000 hands. So even at five to one, like if he thinks that he's definitely an under, like if he thinks that I'm definitely better than him, um. Then it's n- then like it's still kind of a bad bet but I, one. I mean, over fifty. That, but over fifty thousand hands. If I'm like for him to take the bet, he has to think that there's a there's a chance that he's better than me. If he thinks that I'm definitely better than him, over fifty thousand hands, the better player is going to win too often. Uh, even at five to one, I think.
0: Damn. Maybe I don't even know if I want a piece of uh, part but, of thirst lounge That, that
1: if Jay is will won't take five to well, one. Well, no, be. but it's different because the thirst lounge bet is is 20 buy-ins. And so like 20 buy-in swing in PLO is not uh, Oh, it's only 20 buy-ins. It's not even hands. It's who's ever up or down. So through. it's, it's, it's technically capped at 50,000 hands, but it's 20, whoever loses 20 buy-ins first loses. So at 100, 200. Yeah. So it's never going to go to 50,000 hands. Right.
0: Almost uh, 20 never. 20 buy-ins is not that much. I mean, it's that's not difficult. that much. Yeah. Yeah. They, actually, they might have the
1: best chance to win then. I, I think that, I think that they have a, yeah. Like, I think that of the long odds matches, that's twenty to one. the best chance. Get some six, jam some
0: 60-40s uh, enough times. You uh, always are 60-40, so. Yeah. Holy. What interesting. Um, okay. Uh, Phil has also been known as the nicest guy in poker oftentimes. Uh, does that annoy him? Have you heard that a lot? Some people have said
1: that. I think D- Dan Smith has a list. I and mean, I'm second to Anzino in, in nicest guys. But, uh, no, it doesn't annoy me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they would
0: ask that. Yeah. It's sort of a nice being nice is nice. Um, Favorite poker site. I think we know what that is. Uh, Got the run at once co-found. Well, no founder and CEO, right? You're the the, the founder. I'm I'm not, I'm not CEO. I'm just founder. Okay. Phil founder. Sickest hand you've ever seen. Is there a hand that just like in your poker career, you're like, man, I don't know. This game's too crazy. Or like you've witnessed it or either you are a part of it or one that stands out that you saw somewhere anything that's a lot, but no, no, that's, that's too hard. I think standing out. Okay. Favorite PLO hand. What is Phil galphon's favorite PLO hand? And I guess that's probably going to be hand rank one, but give us like a Jack nine suited
1: type hand of PLO. Okay. Like the Ace Ace Jack 10 double suited. I like like, um, like a 10, nine, nine, eight single suited.
0: Hmm. That's the one you can drag some big ones. It's a little sneaky, but connected. yeah, nice. That sounds like a good one. Um, Do you still believe believe the poker dream is alive for people starting
1: out today or the game has gotten too tough? I think that it is. It's definitely tougher than it was 10 years ago or five years ago, but it's definitely doable. It's just, you know, it's not necessarily doable for every single person and you need to be be working harder than you you had to in the past, but it's still alive. Yeah.
0: What are the next big changes that Run it once. What are the next, on the docket, That's like, all right, we're going to get this completed, and this is what someone who's playing already could expect to be different.
1: Uh, so we just launched a software update today that has a number of things. The next the next big change uh, will be sit and goes, uh, goes. added, which they're, cool. they're complete, but, but still have some bugs. So I've, okay. I've played them, but they're not done. Uh, I do. Someone asked about poker promo. You did Re- stars become
0: legends January 6th, 31st. That is on there right now. Uh, what do you think of the apostle case? Did you die? Joey went, lost his mind. And when <laughs> is that uh did you get, did you get caught up in any of that?
1: Did you look at any of it? I looked at some of it. Uh, I mean, it seemed pretty obvious. I, I watched some of the, the videos on it. Uh, it seemed kind of obvious that, that he was cheating, but I stopped once I determined that or reached that conclusion. Okay. Um, and let's do one more question.
0: Okay, yeah, I think I just saw it explained At the this situation we did that when did the challenge starts we did that Iselder or Brinkenia? If what comes to mind, I don't know. What do you think? Uh if is there anything someone asked that question, who who do you pick? Who know. do I pick to if I
1: to play a challenge against? Yeah. Are they both I mean, they both be awesome and like, you know, very high publicity and and uh like both kind of the similar kind of uh like exploitative uh player. Uh, I mean, I think Isildur would be better for for the, for the a high stakes PLO challenge specifically. You probably
0: want to play. I mean, in terms of winning, Bryn, you mu- I mean, Bryn's not like, he hasn't played as much. I mean, more, yeah, yeah, Victor
1: has has to be better at PLO, I right. would think. I would think that's. But, uh, but I think that, yeah. For
0: Okay. Last question. Can you give a quick insight into how you manage your hectic work-life balance so well? Any productive, productivity <laughs> or time optimization tips? And then
1: we're going to draw one for the uh, giveaway here. I don't, I don't think that I necessarily handle it that well, to be honest. Um, so I, I don't have great advice. I mean, like, I think that I need to do a lot better at setting uh, schedule and limits because I, I just think that's pretty important because if you don't, like, it, there are always so many things pulling at you uh, here and there that if you're just, like, going about your day with, with no plan and you want to get to X, Y, and Z... You just never get to Z because a hundred things come up between X and Y. That's good advice for sure. That's that's a, that's a good way to look at it. There you go going to see, again, give
0: Phil a follow on Instagram. You can see his son and Farrah's son here. Super cute. And looks like he's already, uh, you know, he's he's been busy. He's been traveling doing yeah. fun stuff. So congrats again on that. Uh, you can Thank check you, out- you too. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time, man. My uh, son's getting ready to start walking. It's getting there. Um, so yeah, it's fun. This is Phil. This is his career. He does it all. He runs Run at Once. He's a great PLO player. He's got some challenges coming up. Check that out. Check him out on Twitter. You can follow along. And then, of course, we are going to give away the $55 ticket before we let you go. You can tell me when, and someone's going to win it, courtesy of Party Poker. And today, Phil, and of course, Run at Once, guys. You know, it's all, it's, all, uh, it's all love in the industry. Pushing around here. Go ahead. Tell me when. Okay, one. There it is, $55 ticket coming to Lucas150494. Uh, we're going to get send him a message, and we will end with that. Phil, I appreciate the time. we have. This may be the longest podcast, the most questions, and good luck to you in the challenges. We'll be watching closely. Maybe, who knows, be involved in some capacity. But I'll, I'll take a look at it. I think Jungle Man is going to stream via my channel. That's what his plan was. Nice. So we'll see, and uh, all the best, man. Great to catch up. Thanks for your you time. You
1: too. Yeah, thanks, Jeff.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.